0: Hey guys, today I have my friend uh, Josiah with me. I'm excited as always. Um, He's got a great story. I met Josiah on Instagram. I just, uh, I guess I met him on his alt page, which he uh, does AI art and he also does um, geometry. And it was just really beautiful and amazing. And I also love all the um, insight he had and um, spiritual wisdom. And so, yeah, became friends with him. We we had a chat and um, thought we'd have a podcast episode and um, yeah, talk about his religious upbringing, his spiritual journey, and um, how different spiritual practices have helped him in his life. So, how are you doing today, Josiah?
1: Oh man, I'm awesome. Um, you know, it's great to be here. You know, we were we were just chatting beforehand, and um, you know, I'm really, really, really glad we met. And you know, if it's if it's okay with you, I would like to just kind of open with a with just a little prayer, just a little a little way to get engaged here. Um, yeah, if that's okay with you. Sure. Yeah? Okay. <sighs> okay. Uh, Father, Spirit, um, we just come into alignment with who we are, uh, which is who you are. Um, we ask for a greater awareness and we receive a greater awareness of your presence. Um, that is not without us, but is that it, it is within us. Um, I, I speak to the, the soul I speak to the the inner parts of our beings that they just be illuminated during this uh, conversation, and that ultimately um, truth and love and light um, just be evident all over this conversation. And um, yeah, we just we're just happy to be here. That's it.
0: Mm, amen. Thank you so much. That's a yeah. that's a first on the yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, oh, awesome. Okay, it's been a uh, interesting in my own spiritual journey and and kind of going away from prayer. And then I had to rethink about it and Mm -hmm. uh, come back to it in a new way and, and still, I guess, learning and figuring out how, how do I want to pray now? Um, What, what is it like to pray and what's authentic? Um, So yeah, I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. You want to get into your, your, your upbringing?
1: Yeah, I would love to. Um, Yeah. So so um my name is Josiah. Um I currently live in the uh Atlanta region of Georgia kind of like the suburbs of uh, of Atlanta. Um I did not grow up here. I do not have an accent. Um I grew up in New York, um Long Island, New York. Um the 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 main the main point of um I guess the the background that I'd like to highlight is the is the religious upbringing because that's kind of what we're what we're probing today is the the spirituality the religious stuff. So um, I grew up um, in a non denominational, um, very end times focused um, megachurch in New York City. Um, times Square Church is is the name of it. It's um, about eight blocks away from where the, uh, the celebration is for new year's Um, mega mega church, um, many nationalities represented there. Um, But as I said, you know, very end times focused, very um, fear based teachings. Um, There was a lot of good, there was a lot of good. I made a lot of friends. My first, you know, my first best friends, you know, were all in that church. Um, I really didn't know much outside of the church. I was homeschooled up until about fifth grade. Um, And in uh, the beginning of fifth grade, um, I had transitioned from homeschool to public school. Um, In Long Island, uh, it was a pretty, pretty rough neighborhood. Um, I was the only uh, white kid in a all Hispanic community, um, so naturally, there was going to be some. There was going to be some bullying. There was going to be some uh, some some unpleasant um, things that happened during that transition. And uh, you know, it was it was tough. Um, kind of always felt like an outsider there in in my in my home and that environment. But also in church, you know, church was our life. My my father was an elder, um, which in that church kind of meant you're 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 basically an associate pastor. You know, you teach, you 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 do all the things. In addition to being an elder, he was also the uh, full time security director on staff. So um, he traveled from from the island to the city um, every day, and then again on Sunday. You know, five days a week, and then again on Sunday. Um, So we were there, we, we lived in church, you know, three services a day, you know, Friday youth service, Wednesday, you know, prayer, Tuesday prayer, that kind of thing. Um, so my introduction to God was, um, very, very off at a distance. You know, God is, God is out there, you know, we are here. Um, Hmm. you know, a lot of, I, I would say not as legalistic as I'm, as I'm finding the, um, this this region, kind of the Bible Belt, to be not mm-hmm. not as rule based as this this region, but very fear based um, and very. Us versus them, you know. So whether it was you know people who practice a a, a, you know homosexual lifestyle, you know that was the term at that time, or Mm. or you know really just any Muslims, you know whoever whoever it is, anybody outside of this box, um, they are outsiders, and we're the elect, and you know our job is to convert the world, you know because we're better than everybody. Um, Mm. So I uh, I grew up with that. Um as my as my worldview, um, although I questioned every minute I could. You know, I specifically um because I would <clears throat> Um, travel with my father early in the morning too. he would be the one to open the church. it was probably about had to be about five am um, just to get everything ready. this was a huge 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 church elevators, you know lights stages, all those things mm-hmm. um, so he would open up the church he would literally physically turn the key. I would be there with him every Sunday morning and there would be maybe three to four hours in between um, between that opening and the service actually started. So for about three to four hours, I would find myself kind of wandering around, you know, within maybe a 10, 10 block radius. Um, the church there, were, you know, um, central park was really close, which is, you know, major park in New York city. I would walk and I wrote, I wrote poetry. Um, you know, I would find little places to sit down and, and, you know, be inspired. And I kept a lot of those poems, um, and looking back now you know i've dug through them actually not not too long ago and i was always questioning you know i was always questioning um questioning the the behavior of of christians that didn't match up to what i was you know hearing from the pulpit but also questioning this this god and saying you know this doesn't this doesn't seem like a loving a loving father. This doesn't seem like like someone I would want to spend eternity with. You know, this seems like someone that would would, you know, ultimately, you know, I wouldn't even want to date one of my daughters now, you know. Um <laughs> mm-hmm. so so <clears throat> long story short, um that that was my upbringing. Um graduated high school. Um immediately after high school, I, I realized that college was not going to be for me. I did not uh, excel in high school. I probably could have, but you know, um just didn't enjoy um most of what was being taught there either. I guess there's, there's a bit of a, um, a rebel in me when it comes to everything. So whether it was school or church, I kind of just didn't, didn't really want to conform a whole lot. Um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, didn't, didn't serve me well in some areas, but, um, it's ultimately, I think led me to a good place. But, Mm -hmm. um, so, so right after high school, I uh, joined the Marine Corps, I enlisted, um, and I served four years on active duty. Um, which was, you know, what I would equate to almost an Amish, you know, um, kind of, kind of where, where an Amish person kind of escapes their, their religion. They, they decide to exit their religion and, you know, they're, they're deprived from all these, um, maybe worldly, um, influences, whether it be alcohol, drugs, sex, um, you know, pornography, whatever it is, all these, all these, um, things that you're being told are bad. Um, all these things that are, that are, you know, definitely going to send you to hell, you know, (laughs) kind of thing. Um, I was exposed to that for the first time, you know, and it's not that I didn't know they were there. I had my struggles before that, but now there was no one, you know, looking over my shoulder, you know, also known as my parents, right. No one looking over my shoulder to, to say, Hey, like, you know, make sure you come home at this time or don't hang out with these people or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so the boundaries had been taken away and I explored, you know, I explored everything a young man explores at that age. And, uh, you know, um, where, where was God or where was my awareness of God? I should say, because obviously, you know, we, you know, knowing what we know now, God was obviously, you know, very present. Um, where was my awareness of God? It was just gone. You know, I, I had, I had decided that um, I was going to just do my own thing and, you know, this God thing never really made sense to me anyway. Um, now I don't have to go to church. Now I can, you know, have sex and I can, you know, go to the nightclub and do all the things that were, you know, a young Marine is going to do with, um, with money in their pocket and, and their car and, you know, all these liberties. So, um, so that's what I did. Um, I spent four years on active duty and, um, you know, again, kind of found myself in a situation where, um, I, I definitely learned a lot again, made some good friends. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't for me. It wasn't something that I saw myself doing, um, you know, for 20 years and, and, you know, that I was going to retire and that kind of thing. Um, so I got out, um, in 2013, um, I got out of active duty, um, and immediately went into, well, pretty much immediately went into college for criminal justice. You know, my my plan was going to be something along the lines of uh, law enforcement, you know, um, whether it was going to be a state trooper or, you know, something like that. At this point, we were, my parents were living in Pennsylvania, Northeast Pennsylvania, which is kind of that tri-state area of New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. So I went back with them Um, and just stop me anytime if I'm rambling here. Um,
0: otherwise, oh, I'm you're just going to keep going. Yeah, um, okay. Well, there cool. was a couple questions. Um, I sure. Had, yeah. Go if for I it. We can go back just before. we Get too far in. Um, yeah. yeah. That. That. Um, I guess from reflecting back to my own journey. Um, thankfully, I didn't grow up with that heavy emphasis on the end time theology. <laughs> um, yeah. I did read the Left Behind books. You know, uh, that it was it was, it was there, um, but it wasn't like uh, such a fear. But you. St- uh, or such a focus on that um, did that was that just like an ever present thing in your head did y'all did your church have like a a timeline like Jesus come back like during this lifetime or <clears throat> how yeah did that- so
1: so it was, you know, I think I think they we managed to steer clear from the return of Jesus um prophecies. Mm-hmm. I think I think we we kind of took the approach, you know, no man knows the hour or or the mm-hmm. day. Um however, um, you know, this this pastor, it, you would you would just know who he is, David Wilkerson. Um, he wrote The Cross and the Switchblade um teen challenge, which I is in book. Texas. <laughs> um mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a movie, it's a book. I mean, it's a great, it's a great story, you know. Um And, and it was absolutely, you know, uh, um, started out really, really well. Um, you know, and I think, um, we, we did steer clear from the Jesus returning, you know, here's Mm -hmm. when it's going to happen kind of thing. However, um, he did prophesy a lot of um, here's when the world is going to collapse, right? Here's mm-hmm. when the apocalypse is going to start. Here's, you know, so Y2K, you know, when, when, when we went from 99 to 2000. So that was, mm-hmm. you know, when you were supposed to stock up water in your basement mm-hmm. and hide mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. everything was going to crash. And, you know, the Christians are going to be forced to take the mark of the beast kind of thing. So, um, but the role it played personally was, um, you know, it's, it's scared the crap out of me, you know? Um, so we're we're talking about probably uh, seven, eight years old maybe. And I started having night terrors Um, of, you know, the rap, the rapture, you know, mm -hmm. of, of, you know, terrified of Jesus coming back and taking my parents and not taking me because I said a swear word, right. Or I, Mm -hmm. or I thought a dirty thought, right. Or whatever it is. Um, so the mindset was, was, um, ingrained at a young age that this is something to be afraid of. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, they like to use the, the, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, right. Make sure you have your oil ready, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, yeah, sure. That, that, you know, that's exactly what that means. Right. You Mm -hmm. know? Um, Mm -hmm. so I guess, I guess there's, that's, that's pretty much how it affected me at a young age. Um, you know, and it was, it was terrifying, you know, so night terrors were a big part of my childhood. Um, you know, I was, I was a, a scared kid at nighttime, you know, um, you know, the way I put it were those, those left behind, you know, movies, the apocalypse revelation, there was, there was a number of them. We, we watched them and it was, it was Christian horror. It was nothing but Christian Mm -hmm. horror, you know, um, you know, we weren't allowed to watch, uh, I don't know, you know, certain Disney movies, but we were allowed to watch Christian horror, you know, and it just never made sense. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, right. you'd be better off watching, I don't know, whatever it was, you know, I can't even think of the movies that were out then, but you know, we weren't allowed to watch anything except any, you know, something religious based, even if it was terrifying oh. and, and, you know, caused uh trauma. So, yeah.
0: Right. So uh, how, how did you feel after like 2000, you know, when it's like, well, how did your church handle that? Like, oh, I didn't. Happen. Oh man. <laughs> you
1: know, I, you know, I, I don't know the inner workings of what was, what was said as far as like, oh, well, you know, I guess we got it wrong. Um, Mm. I, I do know that there was, there was a lot of, um, after that, it kind of calmed down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, when, when that, cause it was, you know, it was, it was being predicted every, every year with every president, you know, every president was the antichrist, right. (laughs) Um, you know, Obama of course was the worst Mm -hmm. of all, right. You know, um, there, there were, there were just all these different, um, prophecies of things of calamity, really. Um, that was the biggest thing. And when nothing ever happened, um, it, it, for me personally, it, Made me realize this is, you know, this is just Mm. BS, you know, Um, we're guessing, we're guessing. And and ultimately Mm. worse than that, we want and our theology needs something horrible to happen Mm. for Jesus to come back, right? Uh So we need war in the Middle East. We Uh need... This, you know, current right now in, in 2023, right. we need that, that war, Israel and Palestine. We need that because that's what the Bible says has to happen if Jesus is going to come back, mm. right? So 9-11, you know, I was in uh, fifth grade um, when that happened. And, um, you know, like I said, my father was the the director of security for the church there at the time, right there in Manhattan. And, um, you know, there was, there, there's obviously this, this human instinct where it's like, oh this is terrible. But unfortunately, the unfortunate truth is many Christians, your theology needs mm-hmm. calamity. It needs war. It needs devastation in order for Jesus to come back, which is just, I mean, it's a horrible way to live your life because how can you pray for peace? How could mm. you possibly pray for peace, right? How could you possibly, you know, who are we praying for and peace for whom, right? Peace for whom, you know? So um, that's a whole nother uh, episode wow. probably, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah that's... that's- yep. That's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and man, I'm, I'm so thankful. Like my church growing up, we didn't, you know, you said your church is like five days a week, nonstop. I could just see how, even from a young age, I would just, (laughs) you burn out so fast. And, um, there's always that, you know, thing about being like a pastor or elders kid and, uh, how how just that in itself creates rebellion (laughs) a lot of times. Um, it's
1: it's
0: Yeah, funny. No, what, what, abso-
1: Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, a- absolutely and I think, you know, um you know, I guess I don't want to I don't want to highlight all the negatives, but however, okay. um there were a lot. There were a lot. So, um you know, the the positives were ult- ultimately the friends that I made. You know, the interpersonal interpersonal connections that I made. Um those those are the positives, right? The theology, uh-huh. it's it's all at this point it, it, I mean, I can't think of a single thing that I currently, um, believe now that I believe mm-hmm. then, um, or that was mm-hmm. being told to me then I should say. So the theology is gone. Um, you know, the, the relationships I had and, and the diversity, maybe, you know, growing up in the, mm-hmm. in the city, you know, the, the racial and the cultural diversity, um, you know, leads to an open mind. It leads mm-hmm. to a lot of tolerance and a lot of, um. You know, just, just um, exposure to other cultures. You know, my mm-hmm. best friends were Nigerian, um, you know, Dominican. Um, you know, I mean, we, we were just, we were all over the place, you know. Um, but as far as growing up an elder's kid or, or a pastor's kid or one of those, you know, someone who who is, uh, you know, in leadership there, being their, being their son, um, you're definitely held to a different standard. And there's an mm-hmm. expectation that you are going to go into ministry or the mission field or, you know, something that, that, that's going to serve God directly. Right. Um, as they say, and, uh, yeah, that's a lot of pressure for a kid, you know, who really yeah. just wants to, you know, be able to date and, and have fun and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe go to a party here and there and play football. And, mm-hmm. you know, none of that, none of that was okay. Cause that wasn't God stuff. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, so I think, I think a lot of my, a lot of my childhood and adolescence was spent rebelling, um, mm-hmm. because I just, you know, it was just, I realized this wasn't, this wasn't for me. This isn't for me, you know, and this isn't, this isn't what my heart wants and it doesn't feel right, you know, and, and, and that'll probably come up later when we talk about some of the other stuff, but intuition, you know, even at a young age, that's, I have four daughters. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you can see it now. My oldest is she'll be, she'll be eight. Um, but I have a, I have a one and a half year old through eight year old and or all girls. And um, you know, you can see now especially in the feminine Um, intuition is a major plays a major role. And we, my wife and I, we try to um, foster that and give them space, even at this age to say, Hey, like, you know, does that seem right to you? What do you think Mm -hmm. about that? You know, if we're watching, let's just say Pocahontas, right? Disney movie Pocahontas Mm -hmm. and, you know, John Smith and this and that, you know, just whatever, there's some kind of conflict and Mm -hmm. you can see their face. They're like, you know, there, there's something is reacting in their little, you know, little consciousness there mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and we'll pause it and we'll be like, Hey, like, what do you, how does that make you feel? What do you think about that? Mm. And you can see they're like, Oh, you know, it, it's obviously the language is, you know, of a child, but it's there. It's like, no, that's, you know, that's right. not right. That's not, that's not nice. That's not kind, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So, um, that was there for me as right. a, as a child and as an adolescent. So, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's so great that it was just a natural part of who you were, and even even through all what you went through, that you never never gave that up. And that's probably you know, like you said, that rebellious part of yourself. And I I, I I've always had that as well. I think that helps um, keep that alive. Um, whereas some people mm-hmm. they just have that totally like pushed down, and you know, eventually it, <laughs> they usually go through a breaking point and have to rediscover that but it's it's really hard where maybe the transition is a little bit easier for people like us that never uh, had that rebelliousness and never like abandoned that but that's just so great that um, you're instilling that in your kids you're encouraging them you're asking them and you're respecting their opinions their views and and what they think and um, having conversation about that so yeah i think that's great
1: Yeah. Thanks, man. And they, they enjoy it too. You know, it gives them a sense of, you know, at at four or five, there's not a lot of autonomy, right. You know, you don't, Mm -hmm. you don't get to decide when, when to go to bed or, or what to eat really, you know, within reason, we give them a choice of certain, you know, maybe snacks, but like, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, individual sovereignty there at, at four and five, but, you know, I think especially raising them completely outside of religion, you know, and we'll, we'll get to that. Um, Raising them outside of these boxes and these dogmas, um, they need to know who they are, you know, and who they are is that's their soul. You know, that's, that's Mm. that thing that, that when, when everything else is taken from you, you, that's the thing that remains. Right. And I mean, God, soul, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, that's that thing that knows this is right. This is, this is wrong. This doesn't feel good. You know, um, and, and that's, that's something we want them to be super sensitive, um, to and uh yeah so yeah, i'm sure we'll get there but yeah
0: yeah yep. yeah that's great um so you talked about becoming a marine after after high school and you know parting right. and all that stuff um do yep. you were you at the, i guess during that time um high school that transition period do you feel like you're did you identify as a christian and did those what you grew up with and those beliefs were they strong in your mind and you're just like, uh, I believe this, but it's just too heavy or too hard to handle. So I'm going to try to just push it down and ignore it. Or were you just like, no, I don't believe this. I'm going to do my own thing. How did that kind of play out? Mm.
1: Yeah. I love that question. Um, you know, the first thing as you were asking that question, um, you know, there's, there's this, this verse in, in James one, um, where it says the double-minded man is unstable in all his mm-hmm. ways. And, um, you know, that, that was me, you know? And so I would, I would say it's, it's not a, yes, I was fully committed or no. Um, you know, I, I was the part of me that was committed was committed out of fear. Like if I, mm. if I abandon this faith, well, I'm definitely going to go to hell, you know, and I don't want to do that, All you right. know? So, so, th- or, or just simply let my parents down, right. Or let, you know, at the time I was, you know, I had a girlfriend for that was, you know, going to the same church and it was like, you know, cause that's what you're supposed to do. You're going to, you're not supposed to date because you're supposed to just, you know, the per- the first person you, you were attracted to, that's your wife. And it's like, huh. yeah, maybe not, you know? <laughs> um, and so there were people that I would have let down, um, And, and of course, you know, you don't want to let God down. So I, um, I would say there was, there was part of me that for sure identified as a Christian and, and even thought I was better, you know, and if I'm being Mm -hmm. completely honest, you know, there's that, it brings a, a sense of an air of superiority. Right. Um, and it's like, you know, we have this, it's not even secret knowledge, but we, we made this decision. We made this decision and, and, you know, we are you know, we're, we're just better than, you You know, sorry. Mm, like, you know, and, and, right. I, and if you make this decision, you can be one of us, you know? Um, so there was that, there was that. Right. And then there was the part that was like, you know, no, um, I, I don't, I don't really believe any of this. Um, because, you know, I think, I think the, you know, who you are is really, really comes out when nothing else is around you, you know, solitude, mm. um, You know, so even as a, even as a teenager in high school and stuff, you know, just laying in bed and stuff, and I'd be like, man, this is, this is just not right. You know, this doesn't make any sense. Um, for example, you know, Friday night was, was youth night, right? It was the youth service. So, um, you would spend, you know, Monday through Friday in, in high school. And again, as a young man does, you know, you have, you have struggles common to young men and, and, you know, things that, that religion says is bad and, and you shouldn't do. And there's a lot of shame. I grew up very mm-hmm. ashamed. Um, I should probably, mm-hmm. I should probably, um, emphasize that there was a lot of guilt. Um, there was a lot of shame present, um, almost, every, not even almost every day, every day. Um, just for behaviors that I knew were, you know, unacceptable to the church, I guess. And, um, and so you'd go Monday through Friday, um, you know, high school and then Friday night you're in church and, you know, of course guilt comes up because it's like, oh my God, you know, I can't approach this God right now. You know, I'm, I've, Mm -hmm. I've, I've I've done this, I've done this. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so I would answer an altar call, you know, for uh, most people will know what that is, but essentially it is a, the pastor, um, for us, it was a stage, it was a huge stage, would get up on this stage and says, hey, if, if, if you know, you need to, <clears throat> excuse me, um, commit your life to Christ for the first time, they would say, or if you need to recommit your life. So I was recommitting my life to Jesus every single Friday night, you <laughs> oh, know, um, oh. and, and this, is, this is that cycle, you know, of, right. of delusion that I was in that I thought that I somehow, you know, lost God during the week because I, I cursed you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever I did. Um, so, um, yeah, so as a high schooler, I would say I was, I was, you know, unstable when it came to, to this religion thing, because part of me said, absolutely not. This is, this is crazy. Um, and it's killing me. Um, but part of me also said, I I can't, if I give it up, I'm, you know, I'm going to let a lot of people down. So.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely had a lot of shame growing up as well. Um, and yeah, yeah, you know, you, you do things, and you're like, "Oh, I can't be close to God, or He's upset with me." And then That's I right. re recommit and fall on the good path for a little bit, and go. It's just a vicious cycle. Um, and yeah, I think that eventually it's just too much to handle, and there's a sort of break. Um, <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah. So, did you ever, you know, ha- you're saying having all these doubts like this can't be right? Did you? ever talk to like your friends or your parents about it? Or how did you feel about that?
1: Mm, man, you're asking some good questions. So, um, so it's, it's funny, my wife and I, you know, talk now all the time about, so my wife did not grow up, um, religious. Um, we'll probably get there when we talk about, you know, meeting and getting married and stuff, but she did not grow up religious, um, at all. And, <clears throat> so she'll ask me questions, you know, the same, similar question, like, Hey, what did your parents teach you about God? And the funny thing is, you know, is that, um, they didn't, you know, and I think this is common to kids or families who are in church all the time. You leave the, the teaching and the, the, the raising of your child to the church, at least when it comes to God, you know, I'm not mm. saying they were absent in all things. They, they definitely weren't. Um, but, but as far as you know, did we ever sit down and talk about this stuff? No, I, I, one never felt comfortable questioning out loud. Um, you know, so even, even talking to my friends, um, you know, I think it was, it was, it was one of those unspoken things where it's like we know we're all, you know, just figure a bunch of teenage boys, you know, we're, we know we're all struggling with the same things. We know we're all. Um, as they would say, falling short in the same areas, but no one Mm -hmm. wants to say it. Right. And it's like, let's just, let's just pretend, right. We're going to go to church and we're going to do the thing. And, and everything is great because we did our religious duty. Um, But it is, it is really important, I guess, to note that, um, you know, as a parent now um, and we don't, we don't go to a church. um, So it's important, even if you do go to a church, maybe especially if you go to a church to have those conversations with your kids and say, Hey, like, you know, just probing questions open and like you're doing with me right now, open-ended questions where it's like, you know, Hey, what did you think about, you know, this, you know, whatever, whatever it is, how did this make you feel? Uh You know? Um, you know, we, I, I enjoy breath work and, um, meditation. It's, it's a major part of my, my, uh, daily, um, I don't know, routine, I guess. And I do that with my children, you know, not with the little one, but we, we do, um, you know, it's obvi- obviously modified to fit a child, but they go through. Now they're not out here doing breath holds or anything like that, but they're doing these deep breaths and they're closing their eyes. And I'm I'm asking them what they see. You know, in the mm. spirit, like in in this other realm, what do you see? Where are you going? Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's a field with flowers. You know, who who knows, right? But I'm I'm validating what they're seeing. I'm mm-hmm. validating what they're seeing and experiencing. So, um. And, and that as a father is going to tell me a lot about where they're at, you know? So Mm -hmm. if they're, you know, if they're in a dark alley somewhere, that's probably not a good sign, right? Um, You know, but if they're in a field of flowers and they see, you know, I don't know, whatever, something beautiful and bright, well, that's a good Mm -hmm. sign that when they close their eyes, something, something good is happening in their soul, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So you're you're probably um, being there
0: like psyche. So you're seeing, you know, what, what light is there what darkness um and that's right it's like if the darkness comes up of course it's it's not good but it's good that it came up so you can deal with it instead of like you growing up not being able to talk about what was going on inside and just feeling a lot of shame about it and not resolving it all because you just got to keep it hidden because that's not allowed
1: that's right, yeah, I mean, so you know, for instance, my oldest right now is is just entering um the dream state, right, where at you know seven years old i I think I remember that's probably when I started at least remembering my dreams, you know, I believe we were we dream, we dream every night multiple times, we just don't remember, um, mm-hmm. but she's starting to remember her dreams, and you know she's had a scary one here or there, and we talk about it, and I love that she trusts my wife and I enough to tell us about it. Right. And to, and to wake up first thing in the morning, you know, still rubbing her eyes and she's like, I had a bad dream. You know, it's like, okay, great. Let's talk about it. You know, that's not, doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be scary, you know, and it's that, you know, it's, it's the shadow, right. It's that darkness. And, you know, as soon as it gets exposed to light, it's like, yeah, well, you know, I can understand why this is scary. This, this would scare Mm -hmm. me too, probably. And, you know, and then, you know, we get to work through it and, you know, um, Wherever it goes from there is is you know it it we alchemize it you know essentially right. so mm-hmm. yeah yep
0: yeah great um so mean so um just for anybody that you know is listening to audio and you know they don't they don't see Josiah here he's a he's a big guy he's, he's got a lot of muscles he's got a lot of tattoos Where, when did that uh transformation happen and mm. what is that what is that significance to you
1: yeah wow um so You know, I think, I think the, the, the working out thing, the exercise thing, fitness has always been a part of my life. Um, You know, even I probably started in, in, you know, seventh or eighth grade and, you know, um, to be completely honest, it was just to attract girls at the time, right. To be better looking so you can, you know, be more attractive to, to the opposite sex or, or whoever. Um, So, so that's kind of how it started. Um, eventually it became a passion because I enjoyed getting stronger and I enjoyed, you know, um, just the, the results. Um, it's still a part of my life just to a different degree. Now, now it's a lot more for functionality. Um, you know, the, the, the strength may be there still not like it was, you know, I, I, I had competed in, in strongman and powerlifting and all kinds of stuff before. Um, very, if, we're, <laughs> if we're going there, um, just very ego based stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and, and I've sustained some injuries from it and, and all kinds of stuff, but that, that started in, in, you know, maybe late middle school, early high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, being in the military, it kind of stuck it, it's kind of, you know, right. part of what you have to do. And then, you know, I've, my, my professions outside of the military have always been like law enforcement slash security. So it's always been, um, a physical in your body kind of job. Um, right. Or, or lifestyle that I've had. Um, and that's, that's, it's been helpful in a lot of ways because it does, it does help with grounding. It does help with energy mm-hmm. regulation. Um, you know, but it can also lead to a lot of, um, you know, ego stuff, right? right. And, and a lot of, um, a lot of negative things that, that, you know, I've worked through. And as far as the tattoos, um, you know, I think that was just another act out of a rebellion kind of thing. You know, it started with, with a, with a shoulder tattoo or something that you could hide. And then, um, and, and it's funny, you know, the double-minded thing, it's pretty funny. I'll, I'll, I'll go there. Um, so in the Marine Corps, I, I had a, uh, um, I had a few um, dark experiences um, with um, night terrors, This happened, Mm -hmm. you know, these things stayed with me all the way through, through high school, through the Marine Corps, um, up until about uh, probably four years ago, three to four years ago is when they, when they stopped and they stopped suddenly on a dime. And Mm -hmm. I can, I can um, talk, speak to that later if you'd like. Um, But um, I was having night terrors and I, and I, you know, I equated them to, um, I equated them to my behavior. So, so I, I assumed that because I was, um, what the church would call sinning, because I was breaking the mm. religious rules, that the devil you know, was, was getting me essentially. It sounds, uh-huh. I mean, it sounds absolutely ridiculous to me now, but at the time it made a lot of sense. Um, so my first tattoos were actually, um, I have like a devil figure on this shoulder and then an angel, like God figure uh-huh. on the shoulder. Uh-huh. And I literally got these tattooed on my body and said, Hey, well, I'm just going to embrace my, my, this side and that side. And, you know, uh-huh. and, and I, and I, I had split myself into two, right? That th- there's this good side of me, this part of me that wants to, wants really, um, really, really wants to please God. And then there's this other side of me that just can't do it. And it's not that I don't want to, it's just that I can't do it, you know? Um, so those were my first ones. And then it kind of, um, a lot of them, a lot of them don't mean anything significant to me now. Um, in fact, they're good stories. I have an American flag on my arm, which, um, you know, I, I went through a bout of, um, extreme patriotism, maybe even nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. to say, um, and, uh, I'm sure that's struggled with that.
0: in the Marines.
1: Oh man, it's, it's, it's inevitable, you know, it's inevitable. And, and, um, You know, when I had gotten out of the Marine Corps, you know, 2013, it was, you know, the immigration stuff was going on and there were just a lot of things going on in the country. And, um, you know, I had found an identity in this in this, you know, patriotism and that kind of um, guns and flags and that kind of community. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, it's 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 uh, (laughs) it's um, the furthest thing from my heart now but i i literally wear it on my arm and it's a good conversation piece you know because i get to mm-hmm. tell part of that story and how that's not a part of me anymore you know and um you know there are some others that do mean things to me um you know i have love wins tattooed on my hand um and and that's my that's my motto in life you know, and and it's it's ultimately I you know my theology, if I have any theology at all, which I I don't really think I do, is that lo- love God is love and, and love wins, like period. Mm-hmm. That, that's it, you know. Um, and whatever that and means, it means for
0: people that don't know, don't know the, you know, like Rob Bell's book, Love Wins. He I think he was probably yes. the first popular pastor that talked about universalism and causing uproar. Yep. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it, you know, I mean, I've gone way past universalism at this point. I, you know, I was, <laughs> right. it was kind of scary. It was scary at one point to come out of the closet <laughs> and say, Hey, I'm." Um, you know, we were telling our friends like, Hey, we're universalists. And, and now it's like, my goodness, like, that's like, you know, G rated to the stuff that I believe mm-hmm. now, you know? Um, so, so yeah, so I think, um, the tattoos, the, the working out, all that stuff, this was, this was a, um, an expression Um, the tattoos were more of a rebellious expression. Um, and then some of them, the more visible ones on the neck and the hands and stuff are, are who I am now. You know, they, they speak to a lot more of who I am now and they, they do have significance for me. Um, but the fitness has always been there and I, and I find, I find that it still helps, you know, even my kids and stuff, they'll, they'll run around and, you know, just do some exercises with me and Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's just good for grounding. It's so good to, for the body to, to regulate its energy. So, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think growing up like, like exercise and sports was a big thing for me and, and especially basketball. Um, and you, like you said, you know, there's always that ego part, but, uh, mm-hmm. but I do think it's, it's like, you know, in some ways, um, that religious upbringing, it's, it's stifling so much. And so that's like an outlet. Um, and like you said, a way to ground and um, am getting the body and, uh, yeah, just getting that flow state and away from the, the thinking and, all the guilt and the shame and all that stuff. So yeah. I, I totally understand that and, and get that. And, um, you know, we'll get into your, your, your art later, but I can see how, you know, your, your tattoos could, could be playing into that as well. Um, and a way of expressing yourself and, um, understand yourself and, and expressing in a way that you weren't able to express and, and, and talk to people when you were younger. So, um, I think that's just interesting there.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: I would agree. Yeah. So, okay. Now I interrupted your, your story back, back to your story. So after, after high school, um, you were, uh, going into law. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So, so, um, after the Marine Corps, um, I was, I used my, uh, GI bill. Um, you know, the, the government was going to pay for my education. So, you know, I wasn't going to pass up on that. Um, So I, um, went to college for criminal justice. You know, I saw myself going into law enforcement and, and to be honest, um, I didn't really see myself doing anything else because I didn't think I could do anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. I I figured, well, this is what I know. I know how to, you know, uh, shoot a gun and protect people maybe, and whatever, you know, do these things. So this kind of, it, it it seemed like the, the right path, you know, at Mm -hmm. that time, um, so during college is when I when I met my wife um my 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 now wife um and uh we've been married 8 years um but we um you know we we walked completely different paths you know prior to meeting um, my wife is for anybody who's, who's not seeing this and is just audio. I am white. I am Caucasian, um, Italian and some other, you know, uh, random European countries in there. Um, mm. my wife is uh, African American and Puerto Rican. Um, so Afro Latina. Um, and so not only do we not look alike, um, we don't come from similar backgrounds. You know, um, I was raised in the the city, essentially. She was raised in upstate New York, which is a lot more, uh, you know, suburban, not country, but a little bit more suburban, quiet, you know, quiet. Um, um, she comes from a huge family with, with a dozen siblings. I have one little brother, you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of, um, um, differences, you know, different paths that we came from, but we, we hit it off right away. Um, we connected and, um, long story short, there's a lot in between there, but, you know, dated for, for a short period of time. Um, I proposed pretty quickly. Um, and we got married within probably, I believe it was like the first, I don't know, the first year and a half of maybe knowing each other. Um, Mm -hmm. we were married as any um, good
0: Christian should, right.
1: That's right. That's right. Oh man. Yeah, man. I've, I've, I've got some stories, man. I mean, we, we, we moved in together, you know, um, before we got married, all that stuff obviously slept together so you before we got quick, married. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you got to, otherwise, you know, it's, it's, you know, it just makes sense. Right. So, so, um, yeah, so there was a lot of disappointing my parents there as far as, you know, didn't, didn't pick a Christian girl. Right. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then, and then of course we, we made the, the ultimate sin of moving in together and sleeping together before we got married. Um, you know, all the things you could do wrong, basically I was doing, I had come, I had come out of the Marine Corps with tattoos and then moved in with a girl who wasn't a Christian. So I, uh, I was definitely not, not, um, doing what they thought was right, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, that led to a lot of strain in our relationship, you know, um, I, I don't want to um, paint a horrible picture of my parents because we are right now um, for the first time in a long time, like, like currently, like as we speak right now, we are um, just reconnecting with them mm. um, after a long period of time where we had no contact with them. Um, it was a boundary that we, we had established um, and it was for, for our own emotional uh, protection. Um, and safety. So, but there was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, um, damage in, in that relationship specifically with my father, you know, um, mothers are, are usually, um, fairly in most cases, this is not, not obviously a blanket statement, but in most cases, mothers are kind of that unconditional love, um, Thing if you're maternal at all, you know you're going to love your children unconditionally, no matter what life decisions they make. Fathers are a little bit different, you know, and and mine was definitely is um, definitely different. And there was mm. a there was a father wound. Um, there was definitely a father wound growing up. Um, you know, even even as a as a child, you know, um, everything was poured into the church. You know, all of his attention was poured mm. into the church and and people in the church and you know, I was kind of left, you know, um, my mother was kind of left to pick up the slack, you know, where he had dropped the ball, she picked up the slack. And, um, that's not what a young boy needs, right? That's not a young boy eventually needs their father to step up and teach them, you know, how to be a man. I know it sounds kind of cliche and old school, but there, there are certain things that, that a boy needs from their father, I believe. And, um, you know, um, so that was there, and then, and then, you know, getting out of the Marine Corps and stuff and and being um, kind of a disappointment to them, um, mostly to him, um, put a strain on on our relationship even further, and mm. um, yeah, that kind of, I guess that that could take us almost almost to present day, um, where that that father wound um, that I think I know I know is present in many. Um, I'm 32, so I'm a millennial, um, is present in many, I mean, many people in general, it's present in my own father, you know, his father abandoned him, um, at mm. birth at birth, you know, he didn't know a father. Right. Um, so I, I, I have all the empathy and sympathy in the world for him and I don't, I don't judge him. Um, but the facts are the facts, right. Um, and that father wound was passed on. He did better than his dad. Um, you know, thank God. But, um, but here we are still, you know, and the father wound that I carried, um, led me to seek validation from other men, um, that would be father figures, um, specifically like pastors, let's just say, or spiritual leaders. Um, you know, in the Marine Corps, it would have been, you know, your, your superior in, in, you know, the rank structure there in, you know, law enforcement, it would have been your superior there, you know, so there was always this, this longing um, for validation from, a from a father figure, right. An older, maybe not older, older, but older than me, um, male figure. And, um, you know, that, that has, um, it's probably still healing. You know, I wouldn't say that it is healed. It's still healing. Um, it's better than it's ever been, you know, um, I can face it, you know, I can talk about it openly. Um, and I can talk about it with him you know, um, now for the first time I can talk about it with him. We're, we're scratching the surface, you know, we're not into the deep stuff yet, but, um, I have a lot of grace for him. And, and I believe that, uh, you know, time, time does help, you know, and, and maturity on my end helps a little bit too, you know, to see things differently. So, so that, that father wound kind of, um, always stuck there. And I, I correlate that a lot to God. Um, so what I mean by that is I see, you know, if, if you take the, the the Trinity approach the Trinitarian approach to God, which is you know God the Father, Jesus the mm. Son, Holy Spirit, um, which I I don't necessarily take the same approach now, um, but but if you did, you know God would be this father figure, right? There's Father God, and um, and he was always a scary thing, you know, he was always a scary thing, and and something that could never be. Um, pleased right something mm-hmm. that could never be pleased or or was never really proud of you that kind of always looked on you with um, disdain I guess and disappointment at least that's you know that's how I felt and then I had this manifesting three-dimensionally in my father you know who was um, mm-hmm. disappointed in me so um, so that stuck you know and how to transition this to where we are now I guess would be the the tough part but um, long story short, um during um our my my wife and I during our marriage um we had gone in and out of different churches cycled through religion basically so we would we would um in in sincerity wanted to be part of of a church you know we 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 knew that that's that was a missing piece of our life you know my wife maybe not as much as me because she wasn't raised in the church but she she trusted me enough to know that hey this this is probably not a bad thing, right? You know, um, especially having kids like, you know, getting them involved in a church kind of thing. How can that, how could it be bad? Right. Um, um, so, so we, we kind of cycled around through, um, different churches, excuse me, in our area. Um, probably within an hour radius, we hit almost every church, um, different denominations, um, different, just, you know, every, everything we could find, essentially, we would, we would go and, um, it kind of never scratched that itch for me. You know, I, I had this deep longing for what I called the real thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was more than just a good show. It was more than just, you know, a good worship session and, you know, someone, some charismatic leader who can deliver a good message. Right. Um, I, I kind of had a, had an invisible radar for what I called the real thing um, and we did not find it um, in any of our local churches there in we were living in Pennsylvania as well at that time um, we didn't find it anywhere and uh you know we stuck around with a few for more than more than a service you know we we gave a few a chance for a few months and you know um, everything from a Presbyterian church to a Pentecostal you know kind of more charismatic church um, and and there's some you know. I guess, pros and cons to each one of them, you know, different preferences, but, um, but essentially none of them scratch that itch. Right. Um, where that kind of leads us to is in 2000 and hmm, probably around 2020, 2019, 2020, somewhere around there. Um, I discovered a gentleman, um, on, on YouTube. Um, he calls himself an apostle, um, um, and he, um, I, I found him through a, uh, through a, um, like a suggested video on YouTube, you know, one of those things you you go down the YouTube rabbit hole and, um, yeah, I clicked that video and I listened to him and what I heard blew my mind. You know, it, it was unlike anything I had ever heard before. And it was, the message was essentially, um, a lot of it I probably didn't even understand, but something, something went off in here, you know, inside. And, and I realized, Oh, this is, this is different than anything I've ever heard before. Um, so let me, let me investigate further kind of thing. Um, cause I had, at that point we had, we had cycled through another church and kind of had just given mm. up. Um, so I heard this gentleman, I, I went to that rabbit hole of podcasts and YouTube videos and, um, started hearing what I believed was the gospel for the first time, right? The good news for the first time, um, that, that God, the father is just like Jesus, right? When Jesus says, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Um, that was kind of like the, the crux of, of this gentleman's message. Um, which is a, it's a good message. It's not a bad message. Um, and for someone who, who dealt with father wounds for someone who was um lived in this place of of fear of that father god um but I could look at the life of Jesus and say yeah that that's pretty cool you know like I can I can get with that but the other guy you know in the old testament doesn't seem that cool you know um when I heard that message for the first time it resonated um it mm-hmm. resonated with me and it started it started, I I think, correcting things in my, in my view of God, in my relationship to God. Um, and at that point, you know, I had, I had introduced my wife, um, to, to this gentleman, not, you know, personally, but I showed, showed her some of the videos and stuff. And, um, and she didn't really understand it from um, being honest, you know, again, cause she doesn't have the same background I have, but she was like, you know, well, mm-hmm. if this is bringing you peace, if this is bringing you some kind of fulfillment, then great. Like, you know, keep going. Right. And mm-hmm. um, so I had her full support to like, you know, dive headfirst into this stuff. And eventually, um, you know, pretty much had, had listened to every, everything that was out there that this guy had said. And, and um, you know, if if anybody um does know or doesn't know this gentleman he's very charismatic um he's an amazing um orator he's an amazing speaker um brilliant brilliant teacher um and very charismatic you know it's very likable personality and um and there's there's something um there was something drawing about that personality um so fast forward a little bit we We, my wife and I, my family. Um, at the time we had, um, at this point we had we had three children, and I think my wife was pregnant with our fourth. And um, we had decided that this, what was happening internally in me, what was happening in my interior world, was such a big deal, and it was changing things around us for the better. That um, it was probably a good idea if we maybe take a visit to to this church. You know, this church was um was down South. The church was South Carolina. Um, but we actually found a, um, now they call them spiritual sons. Um, we found a spiritual son of his, um, in this area where we live now in, um, in Georgia, the Atlanta region. Um, and we decided to take a trip down here to um, visit that church, uh, we had we had been live streaming with them for a little bit. We had been tracking with them, and um, you know, just just really really enjoying what we were hearing. Um, really uh-huh. thought that it was it was good and it was true, and it and it felt it felt right. Um, so we took that trip. We came down here um, to Georgia. We we visited the church um, and. We liked what we saw, you know, from from the surface, everything, you know, we obviously, you know, hadn't moved down here at that point. We, we did one service for, you know, a couple hours and and went back home and we liked what we saw. We connected with a couple of the people um, and it felt different. It felt completely different than anything I'd ever been a part of. It was small. It was very small, mm. 50 people at most, um, very close, very intimate um, not a big building, you know, like a little room kind of thing. Very, uh, you know, as they say, like family oriented kind of, um, and in fact they call themselves, you know, a family, they call themselves a kingdom family, um, is the language. And I'm, um, I'm using the language that they use only because, um, you know, we're going to get there and that's kind of what I'm leading up to now, but essentially, um, we don't go to this church anymore. Um, and this, this story is kind of leading up to the, um, how it came to be (laughs) essentially Mm -hmm. that we exited that church. Um, is this making
0: sense so far? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, great. Um, so we, we, after we had visited, we, um, we went back home to Pennsylvania and, um, you know, I'm an all or nothing type of person. Um, so I, secretly already had wanted to move here, you know, and, and be a part of this, you know, religion, spirituality, Christianity, whatever you want to call it. Cause this was a Christian church. Um, they, they're, they're not a denominational church, but they, they, um, you know, they believe all, all the things that most, you know, non-denominational kind of Christian churches would believe. Um, and, uh, you know it was important enough to me that i pitched the idea to my wife and and said hey like you know what would you think about uprooting our lives and moving down south to georgia you know somewhere where we really have you know no no family or connections and um you know it was it was a conversation for a while and um you know eventually fast forward eventually we we agreed and we had visited a couple more times this church we had um, taken the drive down here a couple more times um And we decided that it was, it was what we wanted to do. We, we believed that we were supposed to move here. We believed for sure that God, um, air quotes, I'm going to do air quotes, um, on God Mm. was, Mm. was leading us here. Um, and we moved, you know, um, I had a full-time job, a great job. Um, my wife had a great job that she was at for over 10 years. Um, you know, we had children that were in daycare and in one that was in the school system at the time, um, we owned a home. Um, we had a good life, you know, we had a good life. Um, and we pretty much sold or threw out everything, um, packed what little we had left into a small U-Haul. Um, my wife, my wife drove the minivan. I drove the U-Haul and we moved to Georgia. Um, and that is where I am now. Um, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna tread um, cautiously on how I speak of what happened um, after that, um, only because I don't I don't want to say anything that's untrue or paint a picture that's worse than it is. But I also want to remain true to what I what I believe is true. So, mm-hmm. um, the the I guess the the thing that where we are now is, um, this church that we joined at a certain point, um, we realized that this is a, it is a cult. Um, it has cult-like tendencies. Um, I believe the leader, um, is, um, you know, it, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough situation to be in because I don't think that a lot of what's being said and done is intentional. However, this is a cult, what we joined and we didn't realize that before we moved, obviously. However, we started seeing a lot of red flags. Um, once we moved and we, what, what they say is once we quote unquote got joined, um, which mm. is essentially, it's a very vague term that they use because it's not so much signing a document. As you would say, you know, in most churches, if you become a church member, you have to sign something, or there's some kind of, you know, ritual that takes place. There's none of that. It's more of a ambiguous, um, you know, um, thing they use to say um, about people who move here or are deeply connected to people and, and things of that nature. So, um, one of the main one of the main messages of this church is um, the importance, and not just importance but necessity of spiritual fathers and mothers, but specifically mm-hmm. spiritual fathers in your life, mm-hmm. um, which on the surface doesn't sound horrible. However, um, there it, it's, it's, it's vague what that means. And for us, you know, I can speak to our experience. We, um we did end up having um a spiritual mother and father um we we as they say came like under submission you know it's hard for me to say these things because a lot of these mm. these words are just they're they' they just don't even feel good coming out of my mouth to be honest mm. but we came we submitted to these this this woman and this man um, who were our spiritual parents um and there was. There was a good amount of, um, there was a good amount of manipulation, um, and a good amount of control that, and when I say good, I mean, it wasn't, obviously wasn't good, but there was a lot Mm -hmm. of manipulation and control, um, in these relationships and their relationships that this leader says are crucial to Christianity. Um, so one of the messages currently is, um, is that you cannot be a Christian if a true Christian, if you're not joined quote unquote to a body of believers. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, I think that's to anyone who who really uses any kind of, you know, logic or, or, you know, critical thinking, that just doesn't even make any sense. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a control tactic, right? It's a control tactic and it's, and it's a, it's a form of manipulation to, um Bring people under this umbrella, as they call it. So, um, so we started seeing these red flags pretty early. And when I say we, um, mostly my wife, um, mm-hmm. you know, being intuitive, she saw a lot of these red flags. Um, it's not that I didn't see them because I did. However, um, I, I was hopeful that they would either change or I was hopeful that. I was just seeing them incorrectly. Right. Uh That it was like, you know, I'm not, I'm something's off about me. Like I'm not seeing this right. Uh Um, kind of thing. Um, but again, that intuition, um, so we were seeing these red flags, um, financial stuff. Um, you know, um, there, there would always be a new offering. There would always be a new call to giving, um, we were encouraged to give it all. We we were encouraged to to pretty much gi- give all of our money away. And not just we, me and my wife, like the whole, the whole group of people. Um, you know, they're they speak of the um the they call it the acts act two blueprint, um, which is basically this this idea of the early church, you know, the early Christian church in mm-hmm. Acts two, that they want to kind of return to that, which is, you know, uh if if you know anything about Acts Two, it's a lot of um you know, selling everything you have and and you know sharing it with each other, um, kind of thing. So the they they have they have this dream of kind of having a property, living you know self sustained and contained and and it you know kind of just sharing everything. And you know, the, I'm painting a picture of of what sounds like a cult um, and what sounds you know potentially dangerous. Um, there's a lot of um, bashing other churches bashing other, um, communities. Um, you know, we are, you know, um, it's essentially, we are, I mean, it's never said this way directly, but, but what we're teaching is the truth and these other things are not right. Mm. Um, so with that said, um, eventually these red flags became, um, so, blatant and obvious to me and not just my wife, um, that I couldn't ignore it anymore. Um, and there came a point where, um, there was a catalyst. So something happened. And that thing that happened was the church, the building that we were meeting in, um, there was a fire in that church. Um, when the church was closed, it was, it was the middle of the night, there was a fire and, um, we were connected to like a whole, a whole building. There were multiple rooms and multiple buildings connected. So it wasn't just this building, Um, but it had displaced, it had completely displaced the, the building. So we had nowhere to meet essentially. Um, And that was something that for me kind of sent me into a place to, to look in the mirror and say, okay, maybe it's time to wake up and realize that you're giving your power away. You're giving all of your power away. You're giving your, literally giving your money away. You're giving your time away. We would spend, you know, four hours on a Sunday morning in church, um, and then be asked to come back, you know, um, that night, you know, for another, however long, you know? Um, so, and and with, you know, with, with four kids, you know, that's hard to do. Um, so, we were we were just giving everything away, all of our resources, basically, um, time, money, energy, you know, all these things. And um, you know, it was it had come to a breaking point for me where I I sat alone with myself in in solitude. I was given, um, fortunately, I had the opportunity to to um, have some time to um, really not be alone without my family, but but be be in a place of solitude and I was able to think, and I was able to go inward. And, um, you know, I had realized that this thing that we're a part of is not what we thought it was. And I had realized that I had got my family into a situation where we were being spiritually abused, um, and, and manipulated. And, um, you know, I had, uh, pretty much at that point had a conversation with my wife and we talked and we decided the best thing to do was to to cut ties um and to disconnect and to just officially kind of say hey listen like we don't we don't want to be a part of this anymore um you know and and that's that and you know since then um you know um things for us have been amazing and that was you know that was a part of um and you know, the main reason I bring this up is because it's part of my journey that that was a catalyst to a, to an awakening you know being able to to shut down the noise of religion, to be able to shut down the noise of the church and the the um all of the things that are distractions essentially um that put me in this place of silence and solitude where um an awakening happened. And, um, you know, out of that came art, out of that came, uh, poetry out of that came a lot of creativity and, and things that were dormant in me, um, for years and years. Um, so I guess I'm going to, I'm going to stop there. I said a lot and I'm going to, um, just go ahead and hand it over to you. So I apologize. that I just rambled for about 20 minutes. No,
0: no, that was was great. I appreciate that. Um, thank you for being so vulnerable and honest. Um, it's obviously not easy to go through or even you know recap so appreciate that um i want to go back (laughs) to the to earlier when you're talking about um you know your parents and your dad and then his dad and um you know i think you're just speaking to generational trauma and recognizing that i mean i think it's something that everyone um experiences you know that there's there's things passed on and and there's good things and and there's bad things and we just have to Obviously, you know, take what take what we get and um, decide what we're going to do with it. And so, um, it's great that that we can recognize the shortcomings and, in a way, have empathy for our parents and grandparents or whoever, and seeing how they were dealing with the same kind of things. And so, um, you know, they're doing their best. And so, and also recognizing that can help us. I think take accountability for it and how it plays out in our own lives and then learn to, to heal that as best we can and, and hopefully do the best we can to not pass that on to our, to our kids um, in the future. So, yep. Yep. Um, yeah. No, and also, absolutely. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and and go then ahead. Uh, also you're talking about, you know, how, uh, your image of God was so reflected, and I said this before just often our apparent wounds are reflected on our image of God, and uh, yeah, it's, just, it's 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 great once we can recognize that and then be like, okay, well, what is who is God actually, and not that, um, and see more correct image rather than just like reflecting this this wound, um, yeah, so I'm curious, um, that that church. Do you think it was your, your church plant that was a cult, or was it the whole um, church organization overall?
1: Hmm. Yeah. You know, again, um, something – man, it's great. I love your questions, first of all. Um, really good questions. And they're all things – it's funny because they're all things that I have thought about, and some of them I don't even have um, – I haven't come to the conclusion on myself. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I – I think it's safe to say that overall, I don't believe that um, the the, um, the organization as a whole, because there are multiple mm. church plants that come right. from this one, you know, uh, air quotes apostle um, mm. um, that come from him. There are multiple ones. Um, I believe the one that we specifically um, joined has has gone the route of has gone a dangerous route, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't think overall the whole thing is is a cult. Um I don't think the the goal and the aim of it is is for control and manipulation. However, I do mm-hmm. think that um the 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 one that we are a part of has gone that route unfortunately. And I don't think mm-hmm. it it happened overnight. Um you know when we visited it wasn't maybe we didn't see it as much because we didn't live here. Um that's very mm-hmm. possible. However, um a lot has changed in just the short period of time um that we were here and, and prior to us moving here a lot of the messages, a lot of the teaching, a lot of the the um the things have changed and and it went a direction that um is is far too controlling and um yeah just cult like for us. So mm-hmm.
0: Right, right. And I mean, you're basically saying, you know, that that parent wound kind of led you to some blindness and some Mm -hmm. um, vulnerability to be uh, easily taken advantage of. Um, And yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, I I thought, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, um, you know, that, that need for validation, especially from a male father figure and the and marry that to the emphasis of you need a spiritual father in your life. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, you'll never be whole. You'll never be, right. you'll never be a complete, you know, they would say the fullest expression of who you could be, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of the language. So unless you have the family around you and a, a, a spiritual authority in your life, i.e. a, a spiritual father, um, you're never going to be the fullest expression of who you could be, uh-huh. which, which, you know, you could, you could say aligned, whole, complete, you know, whatever, whatever language. Um, But yeah, I think that wound in me left me open and vulnerable, as you said, to, um to that kind of message, that kind of, you know, um you know, it's like, it's like, oh yeah, that's me. That's, that's me. You know, I need a father. So, and this person is willing to be my father and this person mm-hmm. is willing to fill that, you know, to fill that role in my life. And, you know, it's also important to note too that, um, you know, there was, there was never any encouragement. You know, we came here um, completely cut off from my, my family um, and, you know, my, my parents. And, um, and I came here with a lot of, a lot of hurt and a lot of, probably a lot of anger towards my father, you know? Um, and, and, you know, hurt was at the bottom of that anger. Pain was at the bottom of that. Um, but we were never encouraged to, um, to heal that relationship. We were never, I was never encouraged to, to heal or to even pray or seek healing in that relationship. It was kind of like, well, this is your new father, now right this is this is you know it was never said directly you know hey this person is replacing this person but um i had openly spoke of my father wound and there was a lot of well you're here now and you're safe and everything is going to be okay mm. on the flip side as soon i mean almost as soon as we left this church we we disconnected the door just miraculously opened for me to um, heal my relationship with my biological father, with my actual father. Uh Um, and I, that's something I was going to ask
0: and you, you're already talking about like, how, how did that, how did you start healing? And how did that, how did you salvage also your, your own faith and belief in God?
1: Mm, Yeah. Um, so, so the first part would be, you know, as far as my father goes, um, you know, when we, when we had cut ties with this, with this church, um, I, I, you know, something in me said eventually, you know, after, after maybe a month or two of, of really, um, alchemizing a lot of the, the stuff, the pain and the trauma from this church and rediscovering, you know, personal individual sovereignty, rediscovering the God in me, you know, we'll, we'll get to some of that stuff. But, um, after going inward and doing this inner work, um, you know, it just kind of came natural. And I said, I said to my wife one day, I was like, what do you think would happen if I reached out to my parents? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you think that, you know, how do you think that would go? And, you know, it's hard to speculate. So we were like, you know what, what's the worst that happens? We don't have a relationship now with them. The worst that can happen is they, what they ignore us or, you know, they say kick rocks, like, you know, or, or the best that could happen is we actually have a relationship and my children get to meet their, you know, their grandparents. Right. So, um, So I think I just shot them a text, you know, I put my mom and my dad in a group text, shot them a text and I, I, I set the intention, you know, and I made it very clear. And I said, Hey, listen, you know, um, we love you guys, um, where we'd like to reconnect primarily for the kids, um, you know primarily for the kids. Um, we don't have to, no pressure on, on talking about all this stuff right away. And like, basically no pressure that we have to like jump right into this healing process. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be like a four hour deep therapy conversation. Like, let's just see what happens. Let's open the door and see what happens naturally. And, um, and we have, you know, we, we, we zoom with them, you know, once a week and the kids talk to them for a little bit and then just naturally, everybody kind of just fades away and me and my dad are left like this. And we're just talking, you oh. know, and, and we're, he's, he's opening up about, uh, up about his wounds, you know, and he's like, you know, son, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but you know, whatever this thing. And I'm like, no, I, I had no idea, you know, that happened to you. I had no idea this was a part of your life. That's a part of my life. I, you know, my, my parents were a part of a cult, um, when they were younger. Um, and, and it was a short, my, my dad met my, my mother, you know, in that, in that church, but it ended up being a cult where the, the pastor was actually, you know, um, uh, sexually perverse there. Um, and they had to leave because of that. And, um, you know, so there's like these, there's these things that are just coming to the surface. Right. And it's like, man, we're, we're doing this, you know, without, without even trying, just naturally stepping away from religion, stepping away from, from dogma and doctrine and and stepping into individual sovereignty and doing this inner work it's it healing is just coming as a byproduct mm-hmm. healing relationships you know relationships that actually matter and will be there your whole life right so mm-hmm. um so that is how that happened um i guess the other question you asked was about how to um kind how did i kind of hold on to to my faith um was that the was that the question
0: yeah yeah basically mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, that's tough, man. That's a, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, (sighs) that's a loaded question. You know, I guess, I guess the best way to answer that is, you know, deconstruction is a popular word these days. Right. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think it gets thrown around like, like the word new age, like the word spiritual, you know, there's, there's a lot of these, um, you know, uh, just clickbaity kind of words that get thrown around, mm. and I don't think people know what they mean. And 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 maybe I don't know what it means. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think, I think what you know. I actually made a I made a um, a post today um, on Instagram, and I and I basically said that you know, um, it, it something along the lines of walk boldly into the fire. Um, the fire will not consume you, but it will consume everything you are not, and. Mm. Um, you know, that's kind of, kind of a poetic way of, of talking about deconstruction, right? It's, it's, you know, um, if the way I see it is let all of this stuff die and whatever remains is going to be God is going to be consciousness is going to be the real you. Um, and, and that's what I did you know, so stepping away physically from, you know, a group of people that were, were toxic for us, um, but also stepping away in mentally in my consciousness and saying, you know, I've never asked some of these questions that I need to ask. Um, so I studied things, um, just some real basic things like church history, um, some real basic things, um, that, that, um, you know, woke me up, um, big time. They were, they were alarming to me. Um, we can get into some of them if you'd like, but, um, long story short, I think, I think I, I let everything die. I let all the things that I held on to die. All my, my images of God, all my ideas of God, all my ideas of church, of all my ideas of myself, you know, this is who you are. This is what you believe, right? Otherwise, you know, you're not a Christian right and and the mm. thing is i'm not i'm you know i boldly say i'm not a christian and i don't i don't mean that hatefully i don't mean that you know to 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 speak poorly of anybody who is a christian but i i i can't identify with one um thing you know and and maybe that will change eventually but right now it's this is where i'm at and mm. um you know um i'll just give you one example i'll just give you one example so i think um you know christians but any religion, really any religion, there's, there's fundamentals of that religion that, you know, Mm. you, you, this is something we believe, and this is orthodox, right? Um, And if you don't believe this, if you step outside of orthodoxy, well, then you Mm. can't really call, you you know, you're not, you're not a Christian. You're not this thing, this, this imaginary thing anymore, because it's really not, what is it, right? Um, So, that's what I found happening so the example I'll just give just for one example is the idea of you've probably heard of this of Jesus in India right mm-hmm. um, so so not just many many people will speculate and agree on Jesus maybe you know before, He steps on the scene as a 30 year old, right before the behold the lamb of God, um, scene, you know, he, we know he was in Egypt, you know, that's, that's a, that's right there in in black and white in the Bible and in other documents. But, um, the India thing people will speculate, they'll say, okay, maybe he went to India before that. Um, but what about, what about after, right? What about maybe he didn't just die? And then raise from the dead, and then ascend. Maybe there was something else going on, right? And there's there's a whole there's a whole um, I don't even want to call it a belief, but there's this whole um, idea. And and it's you know again, it's an idea. It's I I don't know if I believe it or not, but it's this idea that possibly um, Jesus didn't in fact die; that he was actually um, slipped away and taken mm-hmm. to India and survived in India you know there's a grave there's a grave site and a tombstone in India and they call him prophet isa and they 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 admit that that's jesus right the prophet jesus and all this stuff so long story short without going into the details it's like well if you don't believe that jesus actually died and actually raised from the dead and actually mm-hmm. ascended well you're not a christian you're outside of orthodox so so for me it's easy for me to say well, I'm not a Christian then. Like if that's the definition, right, then I'm not that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things I believe or or at least explore at a minimum mm-hmm. that are outside of Orthodox. Um, so yeah, so maybe that hopefully that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh my roommate and I were talking the other day about um, you know, the labels and Christian or not. And um I, I think it just depends on the person, you know. I think uh some people are like I'm Christian because I follow Jesus. And then some are like I'm I'm a Christian because of like you said, this this orthodoxy and this I believe this, this, and this and this. And if you don't believe that, then you're outside of Christianity. And um I I, I agree with you, actually. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I, I identify more as a mystic and you yeah. know, if someone is gonna be like, Well, if you don't believe this and this or if, if you're exploring this possibility, this belief, then um, you can't be Christian. I just like, uh, what's the point of fighting? You know, what's right? Uh, I I don't that's think right. the, the 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 labels I don't think are important to God. Uh, to other people, they are, and obviously it is going to affect your relationship. But I think the 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 true relationships are the ones that are going to look past labels and figure out what what do you actually believe and why and how does that affect your life? And that's that's what's most important, um, rather than just the your mind and your theology. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's great. Um,
1: yeah, no. And I think, you know, something came to mind Our we have a common, uh, Instagram friend. I don't know him in real life. Um, but spoken logos, he goes by on Instagram, Brett. Um, you know, he, he had posted something the other day about maybe about a week or so ago. Um, And it was a picture of, um, you know, it says, not all who wander are lost, right? And there was a caption, Mm -hmm. his caption under there spoke to, um, it spoke to basically these identities that um, are falling off of him. You know, I don't want to misquote him, so I'm not going to try to quote it. But generally, it spoke to this idea of um, just different identities that he had identified with different labels, whether it be mystic, whether it be Christian, whether it be Mm -hmm. um, author, you know whatever whatever it is and and i think you know uh, it, it's something along the lines of these things are just falling off and it's like the safest mm-hmm. place to be it's the best mm-hmm. place to be and um mm-hmm. you know that's kind of where i find myself now it's like you know i don't want to plant my flag really anywhere because you know it, it, expansion Right. We have to expand. We have to evolve. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to say you, you know, you believe something, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying there's no, there's no truth of course there's, there's, there's truth, but that truth is it's, it's mobile, right? It's, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's not static, right? It's like a river right. and, and it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't just stop somewhere and say, okay, this is truth. Now you can stop here and, and stay there and, and hang out with truth. It's like, no truth. Truth is a journey, you know, and it's mm-hmm. a realization. Right. And, um, you know, the, 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 I think the, um, one of the, the most important things that I've learned or maybe I've unlearned um, during this journey is um, the reality of Christ, right? Christ consciousness. Um, Again, that's another kind of word or that's thrown around a lot. And, and again, I'll say, maybe I don't know what it means. Maybe no one knows what it means, or maybe it means different things. Um, Mm -hmm. But what it, what it means to me and what I've discovered is you know, being able to separate the person, the man of Jesus, the person of Jesus with the consciousness of the Christ. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that that um, have a lot of opinions on this. And, um, you know, I was actually told um, that if I continued on the journey I'd be on, that I would denounce Christ uh, or I would denounce Jesus. I'm sorry, I would denounce wow. Jesus um, and, and I'd be a heretic, basically. Um, wow. And here I am what would seem like i'm denouncing jesus um but i want to say that the beauty of it is discovering that it's not it's actually not about jesus right and and i say that i say that with confidence and i say that with love for jesus i say that with love and i believe you know i'm i'm a firm believer in the ancestors in the you know the bible calls them the cloud of witnesses um mm-hmm. you know those who have trans those who have transitioned right dead people essentially Mm -hmm. who, um, can guide you in the spirit. Um, I've had those Mm -hmm. experiences. Um, I currently have them. And I believe that that is one way that Jesus, the man still guides, um, people Mm -hmm. to this day. Um, something, something along those lines, obviously the teachings are amazing. The teachings, I mean, they're, they're my favorite teachings still. Um, but they're not Mm -hmm. the only, they're not the only. And, being able to to understand Jesus the man being different than Christ the consciousness um, was important for me. Because if Jesus is, is the thing, well, Jesus is not, is, 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 it's a it's a different it's a different thing when you understand the consciousness is in you that the spirit the thing that that can't be named the thing that really can't be even touched is in you and is not just in you but is in everyone right i mean mm-hmm. you know the yeah. the apostle paul the apostle paul has probably my favorite um quote unquote definition of god when he's um you know i think it's acts 17 i believe where he's in he's in um, Athens, and he's he's speaking to the the Greek uh, philosophers and Stoics and poets, and he's mm-hmm. he's 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 basically um, he notices all Talking their, the, I know their God. that's right, he notices all their shrines and the, their architecture, right. and he's right, and it's and it's amazing because you know it, he he doesn't diminish or bash them for mm-hmm. their idols he actually compliments mm-hmm. them and he says i notice you know again this is the paraphrase mm-hmm. go read it for yourself but it's it's the paraphrase i notice that you that you're really devoted and you're really religious mm-hmm. and i notice all your architecture you know it's it's to me it reads like a compliment um mm-hmm. you know and i even notice you're so devoted that you have a statue to the unknown god you know mm-hmm. could i introduce you to, to him, right? And then he uh-huh. says something beautiful, and he quotes, he, he goes into this thing about how we're all the offspring of this God, and, and uh-huh. we're all, you know, sons and daughters, children of this God, and he says, even as one of your poets says, in him we live and move and have our being. Uh-huh. A poem about uh-huh. Zeus, a Greek poem about Zeus, right? Uh-huh. And you know, that's, that's many Christians would say, you know, the apostle Paul is, that's our guy, right? Like that's our guy. And mm-hmm. well, if that's your guy, then, you know, we're going to have to really figure out how to, um, how to be tolerant of other cultures and how to be inclusive of other cultures and say, you know, maybe they're not just idolaters. Maybe they're not just, you know, out here, wh- whatever, you know, whatever is said about other people, maybe there's something unique and common that we all have. Mm-hmm. And, right. and that's, that's what I've been finding on this journey. I'll shut up and I'll let you uh, respond to any of that if you want. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that, that's great. I, I love that. Um, that. That's funny. I, I didn't even remember that, that in him, we move and have, our, like, I, I love that verse, but that it was originally attributed to, to Zeus. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so that's, just, yeah, that's funny. Um, Cause that's definitely yeah. one of my favorite verses as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think one of the joys I've had in my own spiritual journey is um, exploring different religions and belief systems, and, and finding that commonality um, and that deep truth within all religions. And of course, you know, there's there's things I disagree with in every religion, but um, there is that truth that runs through it all. And I think that's what the mystics um, discovered, and uh, they weren't so caught up in the theology and the dogmatism um and, and and like you said i think truth um like i can say the fruits of the spirit you know like love joy peace i think most people can agree with with these things but how they play out in our life um that well that's always changing our life is always changing when the context and what that means and and still different theology like i i there's lots of things i don't understand or you know i, I might have a a certain belief system, but I know that that's, that's not the ultimate thing, you know, that I'm always discovering better ways of understanding or better language to talk about it. Um, but I know it's not the thing itself. And so I'm more focused on that relationship with God and and living it out. Um, but you know, it's fun to, fun to explore as long as we can, Try to stay away from the dogmatism and be like it has to be this way, or, or you have to say it this way. Um, so that's right. So yeah, I, I think that that's great and that, that's beautiful. So I appreciate um, appreciate your journey. Um, what what uh, what practices do you do that you found helpful for your spiritual journey?
1: Hmm. Hmm. So um, as far as practices go, um, I, you know, I guess. The, the part of the catalyst, part of the, um, yeah, part of the catalyst for this awakening was, um, breathwork. Um, I find a lot of clarity. I find a lot of peace. Um, and I also find it's a, it's a bridge, um, for me, breathwork is a, you know, bridge door, um, gate, gateway portal, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, a lot of different terms I, I might use interchangeably for it, but it's, it's a bridge for me, um, Occasionally it's, um, it's been, um, it's been, it's been a catalyst for encounters that I can't really explain, you know, um, things that happen that, that I still don't understand, but I know I come out of them different. And I know that Mm -hmm. when I'm on the other side of them, um, there is three dimensional evidence of something otherworldly happening, um, and you know if we're I, you know there, there's there's something with Paul since we were talking about him before that I'd like to bring up um, in this where you know Paul um, I, I don't know where it is. Um, so someone's just gonna have to google it. but um, when he, he's, he's speaking to a church, it's one of the one of the letters to the churches and he's saying he's he's basically saying that he doesn't want to brag. Um, he wants to be humble, but mm-hmm. he's gonna I, I knew a man. He says, I knew a man once who, and he's, it's, it's not very, you know, um, it's, it's, it's obvious he's talking about himself. (laughs) Yeah. Not very subtle. Exactly. It's like, Hey, I knew this guy once. Yeah, Paul, it's you. Um, he says, you know, I knew a man, um, who was caught up to, I think he says the third heaven or, or yes. one of the, one of the heavens. Um, I knew a man who was caught up to the third heaven, um, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. And then he kind of talks about this, this experience, um, that he had and, you know, there's, um, there, there's an interesting thing that is that things that have happened along this journey. Um, you know, now I don't, I don't believe in seeking encounter. I don't believe in, in, in seeking mystical experiences, although I love them when they happen. Um, but it, it's, it's, um, it's usually when I'm not seeking it, that it actually happens more um, And <laughs> right, And that's, right. that's the when amazing you're seeking thing. seeking a lot um, of
0: times you're, it, it stops you from having it because you're like, I, I want the experience to be like this. And then right. you're fighting what could, could be.
1: That's right. I surrender, surrender really is the key. And, um, Mm -hmm. and you know, so, so I'm not encouraging anybody to seek a mystical experience or, you know, Hey, if you go do, you know, this breath work that you're gonna, you know, all of a sudden, you know, get caught up to the third heaven, but by no means am I saying that you might, you Mm -hmm. might. And and that would be amazing if you do, but, um, you might just come out with more peace and you might come out, you know, happy and fulfilled. And you might realize that, you know, you had things to be grateful for and, and you might come out with a feeling of abundance. And these are all things that it does for me. So breath work, um, is, is probably the, the, um, number one, um, thing practice that I find helpful for me, which, which goes hand in hand with meditation. So specifically breath work, um, slash meditation, I would put in that because Mm -hmm. it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, you know, I still kind of like we opened up with, with, a with prayer, um, you know, at the beginning of this conversation, I still pray, um, kind of like you said, I, I don't know how to, um, I don't, and, and it changes, you know, there's been times where, um, it feels like channeling my own soul and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you could, you could almost call it like an affirmation or a mantra where mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll almost say something it is me, but it's not the egoic me, right? Like it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not coming from, from my head. It's coming from somewhere deeper than that. And it'll be something like, gosh, I don't know. Um, So the other day, you know, something came up and um, I, you know, wasn't, just wasn't feeling the best, you know, not physically, but just in a mental, a mental space that was like, you know, yeah, I could probably benefit from some breath work right now meditation. And I I went through that actual ritual and then I just sat there in silence and then something kind of just bubbled up. And, and I said, I am much loved and I have much to love. And, um, and that's not how I speak. And that's not, Mm -hmm. that's not something that I would naturally say, you know, um, Mm -hmm. So where does that come from? I, I can't tell you if it comes down from a third heaven or it comes from. I I, I think it comes more from within. I think it comes more from a consciousness um, that is that is beyond close to us. That is closer than close. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think silence is a um, silence is is an avenue that 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 it, it makes it wide open. Um, this this uh-huh. thing, this consciousness, Christ, God, whatever you want to call it um it 's not going to compete it 's not going to compete with other voices and it's it 's not the idea of hey, you know, just make you can force yourself into silence because again, you know it 's like seeking a mystical encounter. The more you try to make silence happen, the louder uh-huh. the intrusive voices are going to be it 's more of just uh-huh. sur- for me for me personally i 'll surrender to the voices i 'll actually acknowledge it. And then I'll mm-hmm. almost I'll almost be kind to it and say, okay, like I hear you, not right now mm-hmm. though. And that sounds right. kind of crazy, but even if it's like, you know,
0: I mean, for I'm example, making a pact with them, but like, you know, uh, right. okay, I first I'll listen to you a little bit and then be like, yep. okay, we'll we'll deal with you after this. And actually this this um, this meditation or whatever right now will help me be in a good place to deal, deal with you and, and, and deal with that in in a good way after this.
1: That's right. Because those voices aren't going to go away forever either. You know, and I think that's, that's part of, you know, we're getting a little off course, but that's fine. You know, um, that's part of a struggle I think people have with the spiritual journey, especially ones who are really into like, the meditative practices, more of the Eastern kind of, um, practices where it's like, you know, being very Zen and being very, you know, namaste kind of stuff. And, and I, and I love that. That's very attractive to me. It's, it's something that I resonate with big time. Um, but you can't live there forever. It's not something I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody can live there. And, 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 you know, even if we look at the life of Jesus, right, we have, you know, these big shining, you know, moments, the Mount of Transfiguration, these healing miracles. And then it's like, and Jesus may oftentimes retreated into the wilderness to be alone. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, what, what was mm-hmm. he doing? Right? What do you think he was doing? I don't know, but I, I would imagine something like this, you know, mm-hmm. and and um yeah, so those voices aren't gonna go away either. Um, and I think that's something to be, you know, um to remember when we meditate or do breath work or pray, you know, as a Christian. You know, and I can speak to Christians because, you know, I, I, I get it. I did this for, for 30, 30 years, 31 years. Um, you know, there's a lot of guilt and shame when you say, okay, I'm going to use Christian language here for a second. When you go into the prayer closet, right, when you go into the prayer closet or you have your devotion time and you're supposed to be God time and you're supposed to be praying and reading your Bible and doing the thing, and then all of a sudden you get an intrusive thought and you feel guilty. And you're like, Oh man, like I just, this is supposed to be God's time. And you beat yourself up. That's no different than, you know, someone sitting down and, and wanting to meditate and having an intrusive thought. And then you beat yourself up. Um, it's shame, shame speaks, you Mm -hmm. know, all, all languages and it's, and it's, um, it's multi multilingual, I guess. And the thing is, is that, that voice is, it's okay. You know, so let's just say, for example, if I sit down to go pray or meditate and, you know, the intrusive voice is, you know, did you pay that bill? Did you pay your cable bill this month? You know, it's like, oh dang, did I, you know, I don't know, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's, that's, it's not that that, that, that is not important. It's just, Mm -hmm. like you said, I will deal with this in a minute. I'm going to acknowledge you. I recognize you. I'm not suppressing that. I'm not going to try to force it back down because that's not going to work. Um, I hear you. Um, mm-hmm. when I'm done here, we're going to deal with that. You know, thank right. you. And and, and really, be kind it, to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's creating, it's a creating a habit of space between our stimulus and response, you know? So anytime that life happens and it's hard and we have an emotional reaction or, or anxiety, whatever, um, instead of just responding automatically and get caught up in that and responding in a bad way, it can be like, take some space. Like, let me set it down a little bit, examine this. What is the thoughts behind it? What is the appropriate way to respond?
1: That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so, so beyond, uh, breathwork meditation, you know, prayer, I would kind of lump all of them into one kind of category because mm-hmm. they all kind of happen right. at the same time. Um, you know, I guess how you, how, how you kind of, um, how we met, you know, um, so I have this art page, um, on Instagram, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of evolved over, over the past year or so. Um, um, initially it was an outlet, um, or just a creative outlet because I didn't see myself as an artist. Um, so I was like, well, you know what, let me do it. You know, everybody else is doing and jump on the AI train and, and see if I can make mm. something cool and, and just express these really, if I'm being completely honest, it was, it was, it was a way to put into, um, uh, three-dimensional, well, I guess two-dimensional, but it was a way to put into image, these encounters Mm. that I was having, these mystical experiences that Mm -hmm. I was having. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a way to represent them and, and that's how it started. And it was helpful. And it kind of opened up the door, um, for what probably the, the most, maybe second most beneficial, um, um, practice for me is, which is drawing, uh, sacred geometry, um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which is, I guess, kind of what the, what the page has turned into now. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's got many personalities, but, um,
0: (laughs) Uh but,
1: but, um, sacred geometry, you know, I, I just discovered from the rabbit hole of synchronicities, right? So, um, one thing led to another, um, in, in this, in this awakening, in this search. Um, I think, I think the kind of the way it happened was eventually numerology came up and certain other, um, other patterns throughout creation. So whether it's numerology Mm -hmm. or, you know, I think, I think I was, I was researching the pyramids a little bit and there were some, you know, there's Mm -hmm. some certain shapes and some certain numbers that correlate to the circumference of the earth. And there's these whole, all these correlations, right. And I, you Mm -hmm. know, eventually got introduced to, um, uh sacred geometry and um metatron's cube um the merkaba you know these are all different different things you can google they're they're represented by shapes um multiple shapes intersecting um and they are also um you know that some of them can't be represented three dimensionally, um, so we only have two dimensional um, figures. So, for instance, the um, like the tesseract, right? So that's something mm-hmm. that's right. that's really really like popular. If you're a, exactly, so if you're a Marvel fan, you know what the tesseract is. I'm a huge Marvel <laughs> fan, um, and you know what it is. But it's four dimensional. It can't be represented. We don't know what that is, right? We can we can think about it, but we don't know what it is. Um, so sacred geometry is is um, you know, for me, it's a, it's a resource, it's an expression. Um, it's a meditative experience for me. Um, and it has, it has led me down an interesting path of discovery, self-discovery. Um, mm. I can, I can get into a, um, if you want me to go really go down the rabbit hole, I can get into something if you'd like me to.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Before you do that, I was going to say a little bit yep. about sacred geometry. Um, sure. it's funny in junior high, uh, I just had a classmate who, I was like, oh, I, I do these doodles, and um, I was like, oh, that's cool. So I started doing it, and ever since I've been doodling. Um, and uh, and then, you know, on my spiritual journey, is like, oh, there's this thing called sacred geometry. And I was like, oh, I've been kind of doing that on my own since I was in junior high. I didn't even know what what, what that was. Um, and and kind of going into or learning more about it. Yeah, so the Greeks were into uh, these Platonic solids, just these different shapes that were in creation and many different many different things, whether that was trees or clouds or um, molecular structures, all this stuff, and and that you see that repeating in, in fractal patterns uh, throughout creation, and so it's just another expression and understanding of truth and and the patterns of the universe, really, and I think there's something. So beautiful that helps connect our right and left hemisphere, our brain, that the intuitive and, and, but also the, the logical, and I don't know why, but it's just, uh, there's something about it that's magical and that, that, that's, um, that's helpful for our, our brain to connect and, um, to get beyond words and to see like an image, um, and the, these repeated patterns. And, and to me, when I, when I do this sometimes, and I'll, I'll see it on your page too, you'll, you'll write some reflected wisdom. Um, and that happens to me when I'm drawing, I'm like, Oh, this makes me think of this, or this reflected pattern makes me think of uh, a truth. Um, I don't know if that that's, is that kind of how it happens with you?
1: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So I think, um, yeah, to just kind of piggyback off of what you were saying, um, Yeah, it's, it's for sure the way it happens. You know, I, I try not to kind of like meditation. I try not to make it anything while it's happening. Um, Mm -hmm. and when the experience is over, um, so whether that's when the drawing is, I'm, I'm happy it's done or whether the meditation is done and it's time to open your eyes and, you know, get back to life. Um, you know, you, you, usually that's when at some point, at some point after that, something like, you know, you could call it a download, you can call it whatever you want. Um, some kind of wisdom, some kind of knowledge or understanding, um, comes to you or comes to me. And, um, you know, as far as geometry goes, sacred geometry, you know, I, I had mentioned earlier about high school. I was not, um, good at math. I was not, I was never, um, interested in art even, you know i've always liked tattoos but i never saw myself as an artist um and in finding um you know similar to like what you were saying first thing i found before the drawings and the, the platonic solids and you know the actual representation i found these synchronicities in nature i didn't find them but i i discovered that someone mm-hmm. else was teaching about these right and um and it's kind of like you know it's like when you see it, you see it in everything. You can't unsee it, right? Mm, um, right? It's 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 like the same thing as being able to to find the Christ in all people and in all things. Mm, when you yeah. see these patterns, they repeat. It's they a repeat. Oneness. It's the yeah. It's all oneness, and it's all and and mm-hmm. and ironically, it's all about connection. And the interesting mm-hmm. thing is, I mean, everything comes from you know when. Now, now I guess I'm speaking of. I guess I'm speaking esoterically but I'm also speaking just practically when you're drawing everything comes from a dot from one that pencil mm. has to hit the paper okay. at some point and make a dot like it, it it can't even a line or a circle at first it's just a dot right? right um and you know I don't know what to make of that other than this this is there is something fundamentally at the core of the most intricate things. So even, you know, the most inch whether it's the most intricate drawing or the most intricate, you know, you, you split open a tree and you see the geometry in the in the roots of a tree mm-hmm. or or in a in a in a cell, right? In a membrane in mm-hmm. whatever. Whatever the thing is, everything has a fingerprint um and it's unique. And you know, it's it reminds me a lot of just humanity and people where, you know, something that um that I um, am a big believer in is is equality, and and what I what I do not like, um, and maybe I don't like it too much, but um is is uh, favoritism or or the idea of just being special, right? The ego mm-hmm. wants to be special. The ego wants mm-hmm. to be a favorite. The ego wants to be something um, more or above. And the interesting thing is, you know. Whether it's the geometry that we find out in nature or it's our own our, the geometry within ourself, whatever it is, um none of this stuff is is better than or worse than it's just uniquely different and so intricately designed um you know, and this isn't even an argument for a creator because I think that's that we're beyond that. I think we're we're just looking at um a a consciousness that cannot help but put its fingerprint in everything that it touches and not out of ego, just out of, out of just pure, just creative force and energy. That fingerprint is stamped into everything. Um, whether that's humanity, animals, nature, weather phenomenon, you name it. Um, it's just everywhere. And, and that's the beauty of, um, being able to see this stuff. Um, Yeah. So no, I, I love what you said. And as far as like when the draw, when the drawing happens and stuff, um, yeah, you know, I guess it depends on, on what's being drawn or, or what the, um, what the actual thing is, what it represents. But a lot of times it, it correlates without me even knowing it, you know, which could be Mm -hmm. a good, um, segue into, um, the Merkaba if you want, if you want to go there.
0: Yeah. Go for
1: it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so, little background on when I say Merkaba, Merkaba is, is, um, represented by a shape. Um, it's two intersecting, um, tetrahedrons. So it kind of looks like a, it's a, in 3d, it's like a star, I guess you could say. Um, and it's, but it's, it spins essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. but in the, the actual word Merkaba, um, now you'll probably find different definitions of it based on different cultures um, in Egyptian because, and again, it's it's important to note, well, not again, but for the first time I'm saying this, um, it's important to note that um, this this shape and this word, it's uniquely found in different cultures. So, um, you know, there's arguments that say that the Egyptians had it first. And, and if I went with that, what it means in ancient Egyptian is it's actually split up into three words. So it's myrrh space ka space space uh ba right merkaba mm-hmm. um and it's light spirit body um so we have we have that um in hebrew um there's actually a, a branch of um uh, mysticism um Ju- judaic mysticism called merkaba mysticism mm-hmm. um it's it's not well known it, it was a lot more popular you know Is that, probably was that second- like
0: an offshoot of kabbalah
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So they, they take things a little further than Kabbalah even. Um, so Kabbalah there, there again, I'm no, someone can totally fact check me or, or, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I've, what I've researched, what I can find their their primary, um, symbol if you will, um, is the tree of life symbol and not the, Mm -hmm. not the tree of life in the Eastern tree of life that I'm wearing that looks like a tree, but it's, it's, it's their shapes, their circles, and they kind of come down, there's 10 circles and they represent different things similar to the, um, to the chakras. They, they, they represent Mm -hmm. different things within the actual human body. So, um, but, but the Merkaba mysticism kind of takes it a step further and, um, What I found, you know, during this journey, you know, after leaving the church and, and even, even while I was going to the church, I was exploring, I had been exploring all this stuff, you know, the books of Enoch and a lot of the, um, the Gnostic gospels to the, you know, the gospel of Thomas, the gospel of Mary, Mm -hmm. Mary Magdalene, you know, um, the Apocryphon, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, and, and again, I was, I was, you know, told that this stuff was extra biblical and, and could be dangerous and all this stuff. And I was like, well, that's great. Then it's for, then it's for me, you know, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's definitely for me. Um, so, so I guess one thing led to another when I was reading, um, third Enoch. So, so three Enoch, there's first Enoch, which a lot of people, if you're into any of this esoteric stuff, you'd kind of know what first Enoch is. And, um, no one, no one believes it was actually transcribed by Enoch, but through oral tradition, you know, this mm-hmm. was this was written. So first Enoch, and and a lot of that has to do with um, Enoch being taken up into heaven and being shown a lot of apocalyptic um, phenomena, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. Third Enoch is is interesting. Third Enoch speaks of. Enoch being, well, it's, I guess I'll take it even further back than this. Rabbi Ishmael um, was the gentleman's name who um, wrote Third Enoch uh, for maybe second, second century, late first, early second century uh, rabbi, Jewish rabbi. Um, It's accredited to him, um, Three Enoch. He has an encounter Um, where he is taken up, like we were talking about Paul before he was taken up into the heavens, into another realm, um, and was shown, um, it's kind of broken up. If you read it by chapter, he's shown different areas of heavens of the heavens. Um, and it's, and it's kind of each chapter is a different area, but he's escorted Mm -hmm. by an individual that he meets at the beginning, um, who introduces himself as the archangel Metatron. Um, Metatron is, you know, if, if, if you know, sacred geometry is there's a, there's a a shape called Metatron's cube. It's not a cube. Um, it's, um, not a cube looks totally different. Um, Mm -hmm. Google it and, and you'll see that it's, it's really complicated. And, and the, the, the crux of it basically is that it houses all of the platonic solids within it and they intersect. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's surrounded by six circles and then six more circles, um, So Metatron's cube, um, we have represented in this shape, the archangel Metatron, um, is this individual that Rabbi Ishmael meets and is escorted, um, through the heavens, um, by this archangel. So I was already doing sacred geometry when I was reading this and I was like, holy crap, you know, what, what is this? You know, this, this, Mm -hmm. I I had never heard of Metatron being a person before, um, Mm -hmm. It's important to note that Rabbi Ishmael he was um, he he prescribed to this Merkaba mysticism. So the Merkaba mysticism they actually call it um, instead of a lot of times we speak of when we speak of these encounters or or um, you know mystic encounters we speak of ascension going upwards. The Merkaba mysticism they call it descent mysticism, and it doesn't mean going into hell. It means going within descent into yourself essentially okay. that it's the idea of you house, you house the cosmos. So instead of a, an out there heaven, it's an in here heaven, which I love. That's beautiful. Mm. So, um, yeah, so, so, So Metatron, you know, escorts Rabbi Ishmael around, um, the heavens and shows him all this stuff. And it's amazing. You know, it's a cool story. And, and I read it and, you know, I, I gotta be honest, I didn't get a ton out of the actual reading. I can't say that I walked away with a deep revelation and I'm, um, you know, now like, oh my gosh, now I know what heaven looks like. You know, it was, it Mm. was, it was cool. It was interesting. You know, if you're into Marvel and sci-fi, this is gonna, you know, this is gonna tickle your brain. You know, it's, it's, it's exciting and it's fun. Um, but that's kind of where I left it. And I, and I didn't think about it a lot after I read it and I put it down and, um, maybe about a week later or so, um, you know, in between this week, I should say, I, I did do some research on Rabbi Ishmael, just, you know, a few Google searches, um, kind of wanted to see if he had anything else out there. I couldn't find a lot about him other than, um, the, the, the Merkaba mysticism that he was into this stuff. And that was kind of like how I found out about that. So, um, about a week later, um, I was sitting down at my table, um, doing, uh, some sacred geometry. I was drawing a specifically a uh, Merkaba. So a Merkaba, if you, if you highlight it correctly, or you shade it correctly, it's, it's inside of Metatron's cube. So essentially um, I'll do my best to explain it, but basically if you draw a Metatron's cube, um, the Merkaba is, is in there. The shape of it is in there. If you highlight it correctly or you shade it, or you just, you know, outline that shape specifically, you will see it and it will pop to the, um, it will pop out to the, to the viewer. You'll be able to see it. Um, so you kind of have to draw Metatron's cube in order to draw Merkaba. Um, I did. So I was drawing Metatron's cube, but I was specifically drawing it to highlight the Merkaba. Um, <clears throat> so um, this is this is right before, maybe three days before we had cut contact with this church, before we completely disconnected. Mm. So I was in a very vulnerable state. Um, I'm only mentioning that because of the, I'm going to speak to an encounter that, um, that, that happened, um, during this, um, meditative practice. So, um, so mentally, emotionally, I was in a very vulnerable, um, place and, and open though. I, I, um, something I, I take a lot of, um, joy in is I, I've always found it fairly easy to be vulnerable. Um, Mm -hmm. whether that's interpersonally with people, um, you know, now there's, there's a, there's a downside to this, obviously, you know, you can get hurt easily, you know, if you, you know, so I've had to learn how to, how to set boundaries and, you know, um, not overshare. However, um, I, I enjoy being open. I like having an open heart. Um, and, and I enjoy that feeling. So, so even with the, the tension of, you know, are we going to leave this church? Are we not everything that was going on? Um, I still felt very tender and very, um, vulnerable mm. and open. And I mean, I don't mean vulnerable in the sense of like open to attack. I mean, more so just tender. Um, right and, uh, so, so I'm drawing this, this Metatron's cube. I'm drawing the Merkaba, um, you know, kind of. I don't want to say business as usual, but, but nothing out of the ordinary um, is happening while I'm drawing. Um, You know, my daughters are at home, they're, they're running around and stuff. And you know, one of them's taking a nap and one of them's asking me to fill their water bottle and things like that, you know, so life is happening around me. um, And I don't know, maybe an hour or two into drawing. Um, I, I set it down and it's not, it's not complete. I just set it aside. And a lot of times that's how things go. I'll do maybe the outline, I'll take a break, come to it the next day or, or, or later that night or whatever it is. Um, so it wasn't complete. However, um, I was putting a lot of attention into this Merkaba. I was putting a lot of focus and intentionality into that shape specifically, but also mentally and, and emotionally what it meant, um, for, for, um, early century Jews who were, um, you know, who, who, who believed in this, in this, um, this mystic, you know, this mystic belief. Right. Um, so, And one of the things I didn't mention is, um, what Merkaba means in, in Hebrew. Um, it actually means chariot throne. Um, so it's a chariot throne. So it's, it's this idea Mm -hmm. of, um, of a, a throne with wheels, essentially wheels and wings. Um, there's images of it out there. Um, you know, that people have done carvings and stuff like that. So, so that's what it means. So I'm drawing, um, you know, everything is going good. I set it aside, um, and where I where I usually do my drawing and stuff is is close to the kitchen. Um, so I go over to the kitchen. Um, I think I was washing dishes or something. I was doing something at the sink with my back towards you know towards the kitchen. And and as I stated earlier, um, I I don't think this is something unique to me. However, I do believe it, and it does it does happen for me um, with ease. I should say um, mm-hmm. is encountering those who have transitioned. Um, so the, the, you know, Christians would call them the saints, you know, other cultures would call them ancestors, call them whatever you want. People who have transitioned, um, Uh out of their physical body. Um, so this is something that I've experienced before with loved ones. Um, it's something I've experienced before with other, um, figures from history. And I was standing at the sink And, you know, facing the sink with my back towards the kitchen. And I feel I have a sensation of Rabbi Ishmael, um, bear with me here, um, behind me. And he is placing his hands along my spine. Um, So he's got um, one hand up towards like the top of my uh, neck area and one hand up my lower back, but along my spine. Um, at the same time, I have this, I'm, I'm saying have the sensation, um, because there's no way to, to, you know, fully identify or anything like that. But this is, this is, this is what happened. Um, on my right hand side, um, was Enoch and Peter on my left hand side was Moses and Paul. Um, so we have five, um, transitioned, beings, um, in the room. As soon as I felt their presence, um, and, and Rabbi Ishmael was touching my spine, I just started to weep. Um, so I'm kind of like leaning over my sink at this point, Mm. um, just weeping. Um, and this release of emotion just comes out of me. Um, now I'm, I'm, I'm an easy crier. If you know me, I I cry watching Disney movies. I'm I'm no shame in saying I I, I enjoy a good cry, and it is not hard to make me cry. Essentially, Um, I'm I'm a sensitive soul, Um, but not like this. You know, this was this was different, and this was this was a a floodgate of emotions. Um, At the same time, while this is happening, um, I close my eyes and. I find myself. I'm going to join with Paul here and say whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Mm. But I find myself inside of a golden merkaba, so a spinning merkaba. Um, so the actual the actual shape, not the chariot throne image, but the shape of a merkaba inside of it. It's gold, it's spinning, and I'm in just black space. I guess you could call it. There's mm. no there's no stars. There's no planets. A galaxy, There's not just black um, void. Um, would probably be the best word. And I'm inside of this and it's moving. We're moving. I'm moving in it. Um, And, you know, again, like time, time is kind of hard to perceive during these things. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what felt like maybe five seconds could have been longer. I don't know. But either way, um, a moment of time had passed, a short moment of time. And when I, when I came out of this void, I found myself still inside of this Merkaba in, what felt like um, um, inside of what looks like a Greek Colosseum um, and, and by that I mean uh, like stone, white stone pillars, um, mm. you know, marble, that kind of that kind of looking kind of what you would what you would picture um, but but not not decayed, very, very new mm. like it was just built. Um, so I'm in the center um, and there are stairs um, all around me going upwards. So I'm in the middle stairs all around me. Um, the best way I can explain it is it almost felt like there should have been a fountain where I was like a fountain in the middle kind of flowing and there were stairs surrounding it. But instead of a fountain, it was this Merkaba and I'm, I'm, um, sitting or standing inside of it. Um, then all of a sudden I, I look around, I, I look around and I look up these stairs and there's different individuals. Um, I don't recognize them, um, but they they start approaching and walking down the stairs towards me, uh, towards my direction. Um, I didn't say this out loud, but I felt it and I thought it and I had this feeling of unworthiness. And I thought to myself, like, I, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be here right now. This doesn't feel like somewhere I deserve to be. And as soon as I thought that, Everything froze. It was like someone hit the pause button on this experience I was having, and the people they they stopped mid-step. The Merkaba stopped spinning. Everything just froze. Um, I kind of talked myself out of that, I guess you could say. And I was like, okay, okay, no, I, you know, I, I deserve to be here. Kind of like did some did some positive affirmations to myself. I was like, okay, I deserve to be here. All right, you know, that kind of thing someone pressed the play button essentially. And this thing started back up and these people, um, or maybe not people, but these beings started walking my direction. Um, and as they started walking my direction, I fell to my knees and this, I know happened in real life because when I, when I came out of this, I was on my knees in the kitchen. Um, so I fell to my knees inside of this burkaba, but but also in, in, in real life too, in, in 3d. Um, and, had my head kind of down and my eyes closed. Um, and when I, in prior encounters with Holy Spirit, um, you know, as, as, you know, Christians would call Holy Spirit, um, that being has always appeared to me as feminine. Um, Mm -hmm. it's always appeared to me as a woman. Um, obviously not human, but feminine in nature, I should say Mm. flowy, flowy, wind, like silky, smooth and, and wine colored is, is, is how Holy spirit always appears to me. Um, so make of that what you will, but that's, that's how I relate to, to Holy spirit. And that's how I've, I've seen her, I will say. Um, and that being, who, who I identify as Holy Spirit, was there with me and was was at my side, but outside of the Merkaba, outside of it, and I'm still inside of it. And she says to me, words that have, have changed the way I kind of look at, not kind of, changed the way I look at um, really existence as a whole. And she said to me, don't worry, you cannot mess this up. This is happening, whether you want it to or not, We." Are just letting you see it, and you know I, I I can speak to what that meant to me afterwards. But you know, in the moment, it blew my mind, and I, I had this realization of, oh wow, like there's there's legitimately things happening that I am just completely unaware of all the time, and I don't even have there there's there's a there's another me out there somewhere mm-hmm. that things are happening to. There's an ascended me. Um, mm-hmm. There's a higher consciousness of me that things are happening to all the time. I'm just being given permission to see this right now. Um, that's mm-hmm. how that was the sensation. That is what she said to me. Um, so that kind of gave me the confidence to say, "I can't mess this up," like she said. Like just just be here now, like Ramdas, right? Be here now, mm-hmm. um, right. you know. And 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 I was. So I I opened up my eyes and I, I picked my head up, still in this kneeling position, and. In front of me is a lamb, uh, a small young lamb. Um, and it's walking around me, around this Merkaba counterclockwise. Um, I can't tell you how many times it walked around me, but it was doing circles around this Merkaba counterclockwise, this lamb. Um, as it walked around me, rainbows started shooting out of my chest, my body, my solar plex, the, just the whole front of my body. Rainbows just started mm. shooting out of me, and when I say rainbows, it wasn't just one rainbow; one, it was a color of the rainbow, then another color of the rainbow, mm. then another color, and but they were these, you know, vibrant colors of the rainbow started shooting out of my body, um, and. That is, that is all that I remember of the actual experience that happened. And then that was, I guess, I guess I can only speculate that that was too much for me to handle. And I, you know, (laughs) zip zap you know, zip that back to reality here, I guess. Um, but when I came, when I came out of that, when I, when I, you know, lifted up my head and I, and I stood up and I was back in my, my home, I had this song, um, not actually audibly playing, but I had this song in my, my head, I guess. Um, and it's by upper room where they're, a, they're a, a Christian like worship group out of, um, uh, Texas, I believe. Um, and the song is called open the scroll. And, um, you know, I don't listen to a lot of worship music now. It just doesn't resonate with me. And I, I wasn't listening to a ton then. So this song wouldn't have been, it just wasn't something that would have been on my radar at that time. I hadn't heard in a long time, mm-hmm. but the song essentially goes, you know, it's it's a it's based off this verse out of Revelation, I think four, um, about who's worthy to open the scroll. Right there's this scroll that's sealed with seven seals on along the spine, um, and 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 people are saying who's worthy to open the scroll. No one's found worthy in the earth, but then there's a lamb this lamb is found worthy and the lamb breaks the seals of the scroll. And no one knows what's, you know, the idea is there's no one knows what's written in this scroll on the inside. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I I had that song. Um, I decided to look it up in Google. I found that, you know, I hadn't read that verse in a long time and I'm making these connections, you know, of the spine, the seven, the opening of the scroll, the lamb. And, you know, I, I still don't know fully what exactly happened to me, but what I can say is it felt like an awakening. Um, and I believe that, um, my chakras, my energy centers, um, were blocked, closed, um, you know, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to call it. Um, they were not as active and this encounter, um, call it a Kundalini awakening, um, opened those energy centers And that was three days before we, we, um, made the decision to walk away from this church and kind of walk away from, from all systems, um, in general and, and really find freedom. Um, and I believe that awakening drew the courage and the, the, the confidence from within to, to make that decision. Um, so, yeah. So make of that what you will, you know, I know it's hard to believe. I know it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay, maybe, you know, kind of thing, but, uh, you know, it's, that's what happened to me. Um, and I'm yeah. uh, I'm sticking to it.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. Um, I mean, the way I look at things is, you know, everybody has their experiences in life and it's true that it was an experience for them, what it, what it meant, um, <laughs> uh, whether that's, you know, symbolic or literal or whatever, you know, all that is, you know who knows, um, but 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 I, I think it's I think it's fascinating. I think it's worth um, looking into these things and 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 so um, and maybe you probably already talked about it. But what what did this experience? What that do for you? How that impact right. your life?
1: Right. So you know, I think and I think this is the one of the ways to measure um mystical let's call them mystical encounters you know whether it's uh-huh. um induced because of plant medicine or it's induced because of meditation or or prayer or a spiritual religious experience whatever it is um some kind of otherworldly encounter that can't be explained that wouldn't have happened otherwise um I think the way to measure it, one way to measure it is is the fruit, the tangible fruit, you know, as, as the Bible calls it, you know, um, right. evidence, three-dimensional evidence. And for me, you know, um, I believe, you know, and I've sat with this for a while and, and I've thought about it, I believe that my throat chakra was blocked. Um, I believe there were things that I needed to say, things that needed mm-hmm. to be expressed. Um Things that I needed to hear first myself say, um, let alone anybody else here. But um, so, so what came out of that was an opening. You know, uh, I I was wide open after that, and um, there was a confidence, there was an awareness, um, there was a heart and a mind connection. Um, you know that that tenderness that was there never left, but now it had something to do. Now it had not not a mission, but it had a it, it knew what its purpose was. Right. Um, it kind of, you know, I, again, you know, was that the moment of awakening? I, I don't know. You know, I think, I think that it was, it was a, a place on the timeline of my life that I would, I would say was, was significant. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, it's, it's important to note for anybody who has any kind of, you know, um, mystical experience or encounter like that, you know, the, the the bible says this and you know again you know i don't i don't like to use the bible as proof for anything because it's it's just mm-hmm. one of one of many books that are, that are helpful but um this is something that's helpful and um i want to say paul again shout out to paul um but he says he says um you know that that you can have you can speak with you can speak with angels you mm-hmm. can do this have all these different like Big right. spiritual things—you can speak in tongues, speak with angels, blah blah blah. But if you don't have love, you, you're just a clanging symbol. You you have nothing. Okay. If you don't have love, you have nothing, right? So, so the evidence, the fruit of any kind of mystical, spiritual experience, um, spiritual ritual, should be love. Otherwise, it's it's just making noise, you know. So, if I came on here and was just saying, you know, well, yeah, look at what all this stuff is, you know, look at all these cool things that are happening but have nothing tangible to show for it. um, Well, that's, that's really just making noise. And, and what I mean by to show for it, it doesn't have to be like tangible, like a resource, like money or, or, you know, like some kind of manifestation, you know, thing, but, but is there peace? Do you have peace? Mm -hmm. Do you have joy? Do you have, you know, is there love in your marriage? Do your children trust you? You know, these are the things that matter, right? Like, You know, things things start to priorities start to shift um as you mature and it's less about, you know, not that money isn't important. We all need it. And and unfortunately that's still the currency of our of our current um civilization. But um, you know, it's not all about the 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 things you can put your hands on. It's actually it's deeper than that, it's bigger than that. So so, yeah. So I would say, you know, for me, it, it's, it's, it's brought an awareness. It's brought courage. It's brought all kinds of positive things in my life. But, um, but I would say that that, that is, that is a measuring stick for me for, for anytime mm-hmm. I hear people's people's encounters, it's like, okay, but is there love? Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. I, I totally agree. Uh, that's great. Um, one, one last question. Uh, I know earlier you were talking about night terrors. Did, did that, did they stop around this time or is that a different, mm. different
1: thing? So that was, that was a different time. Um, that was, that was back in 20, probably 2020, 2021. Um, it was another, believe it or not, it was another, um, <laughs> uh, mystical experience, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I can, I can, I can speak about if you'd like. Um, yeah, if you want, yeah, for sure. Um, so, <clears throat> So I had um when I was in the Marine Corps I had I had a one very notable night terror where you know I did some research on it and um you know in medieval times the way people would explain night terrors I don't know if you've ever heard this before they would call it the witch that sits on your chest in the middle of the night mm-hmm. so they yeah. it would it would be this idea where you'd wake up in the middle of the night and there would be something suffocating Exactly, suffocating you. They called it the witch, right? Um, that was their their cultural reference. You know, obviously it's it's you know different now, but um I had I in the Marine Corps I had woken up to a figure, non-human figure, um sitting on my chest and and crushing me. Um and it was it was, you know, it was one of those things where I, I couldn't wake up. Um it, it wasn't it just wasn't happening. Um And that was probably the most significant one, excuse me, that I had ever had. Um, And, and there's, there's a lot that goes into it, but, but basically that was, that was kind of um, the most memorable one. Fast forward to, you know, a grown, grown man, you know, um, maybe two years ago and, uh, and I was uh, I'll kind of set the scene here it was it was uh ready to put the kids to bed um and and you know my wife and I are getting ready to to end the night kind of thing and I'm upstairs she's downstairs I was brushing my teeth maybe or whatever you know something in the bathroom and um you know I noticed I wasn't feeling well I noticed just a little off balance a little lightheaded um just just kind of off you know and I just yelled downstairs and I was like hey you know um Hey babe, I'm really not feeling that good. You know, I don't know if like, you know, maybe we ate something bad, but like just, just a heads up, I'm just going to go to bed. I'm just going to lay down and like, you know, uh, I'll, I'll see you when you can up here kind of thing. So I laid down and, um, and, the room started spinning and I just, I really wasn't feeling good. And this isn't something that's common for me. I, I don't get sick very often at all. Um, I definitely don't get lightheaded or headaches. So I, I yelled back downstairs and I was like, Hey, like, babe, I'm really not feeling good. I don't know what's going on, but like, I, I maybe bring up some like Tylenol or water or something, you know? Um, and um, by the time she had, my wife had come upstairs I was on my back. I was on my back staring at the ceiling and I had not fallen asleep, but I was in a state of paralysis, um, mm. where I couldn't move. I was as flat as a board and out of the ceiling was coming a old man looking figure, um, with its mouth open in a, in a, in a, like a devouring kind of mm. way um and it was it was hovering over me and like kind of getting closer but then backing up getting closer backing up and around this old man figure were these just floating heads with teeth and just you know your typical like what you would picture evil looking figures just floating heads mm-hmm. around this thing now i'm terrified now i i my wife came upstairs and she sees the panic in my eyes i'm not screaming i'm not crying um just panic just sheer panic um fear And she, she actually comes to the side of the bed where I'm at and she's like, you know, are you okay? Kind of thing. And I was like looking at the ceiling still. And she sees, I'm not looking like at the ceiling. I'm looking at something that's in between the ceiling and, and, and here kind of thing. There's something here. Mm -hmm. And she had that, you know, she had that feeling that there was some kind of presence, um, you know, in, in the room or at least a figment of my imagination, again, in the body, out of the body. I do not know, but, um, this Mm -hmm. is what happened. And, 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 you know, she starts praying for me. She's like, do I, you know, then she's like, do I call an ambulance? Like, I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden this, this paralysis and no emotion turns into this scream, Really, um, mm. almost like this childlike scream where I, I curled up into a fetal position on the bed and started screaming. Um, and I didn't know anything else to do except say, Jesus, help me. I, mm. Jesus, help me. I, 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 you know, help. That's it. I really couldn't get anything else out. And maybe that lasted two minutes, maybe even not. Maybe it was only a minute. But as I'm screaming, you know, Jesus, help, all of a sudden, this is this is the way it felt to me, um, and this is what I believe happened. You know, mystically, was I believe the presence of Christ um, escorted me to the Father. Um, that's what it felt like. I had this feeling of a of a of a presence, a light escorting me to the Father's lap, so to speak. It was like this this strong light presence escorted to like this safe, this safe and like comforting presence. It's really hard to explain, but, um, that's, that's what happened. And, and, you know, when I, when I eventually calmed down, I, you know, my wife was sitting next to me now on the bed and I looked over at her and I'm just in this state of like, not really totally sure what's going on still. And not really fully here, not really fully there. And I just told her, (laughs) you know, she reminded me of this. I told her, I said, I'm not broken. I'm not broken. Mm. I said that over and over. I'm not broken. I'm not broken. Um, The next morning, you know, we went to sleep that night. The next morning I was washing dishes. Again, the sink seems to be a portal for me, Um, but I was washing dishes at the sink and I was looking out the window and I said to myself, I was like, oh, I'm not ashamed anymore. It was that moment Mm. was Mm. shame had exited my life. Um, And I had Mm. never, I mean, I'm not saying I've never felt guilty for anything ever again, but shame as a as a mindset, as a stronghold in my life, didn't exist after that moment and neither have Night Terrors. Mm-hmm. Um, and awesome. now I love the night. Now I go outside and, and watch the stars and hang out in the night all the time. So um so yeah, right. so it, it happened in a moment.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah, it's really interesting. I can see I used to have trouble going to sleep. I didn't I didn't have night terrors, but um I mean shame was a very big part. And at night, you know, you're alone with your thoughts and so that shame is really yeah. gonna come 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 there and i do think there's something to um hmm, the our trauma and negativity and 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 these things and how that can i don't know which comes first you know chicken into the egg whether that's like you know lower entities are causing these things or if are if these things are allowing those to have a hold of us it's all interconnected but uh but yeah, when we deal with one, then it deals with, with the other. So um I, I think that that's amazing.
1: Yeah, no, and that and that's a good point. You know, I don't I don't wanna sound or or come off like I I don't give a lot of attention or, or credit to like darkness or like, you know, demons or, you know, I really don't have a, you know, the same way I I don't have a, a a firm theology because I like to keep an open mind. I don't have Mm -hmm. a firm like demonology you could say. Um, because again, I don't, I don't know if these things are, are, real in the sense of, can they actually harm you physically? Can they cause you three dimensional Mm -hmm. pain and stuff? I I know the effects, Mm -hmm. you know, are, are maybe, you know, um, maybe the effects are more real than an actual cut or abrasion. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I think a cut or abrasion would be easier to to deal with than a, a (laughs) a mindset of, of shame, Uh you know, for 30 years or 28 years or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. you know, um, So, so whether they're real or not, who knows, but it's like, man, the effects, the effects are are real, but so is light, right? So is light and, Mm -hmm. and the effects are real. And, you know, um, yeah, yeah. So go for it.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, well, I appreciate your, your story and your wisdom. Um, you didn't take a lot of, uh, I mean, I did ask questions and reflect, but you, you already have that. And so (laughs) you didn't need a lot from me. And, uh, yeah, congratulations on the the longest podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> so <far>. but it, <laughs> nice. it's, it's yeah, it's been been amazing. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Is there is there any 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 last any last things that you'd like to touch on?
1: Oh man, you know, I'll be honest. For me, it's uh, again vulnerability. Um, you know, blessing or a curse. I'll, I'll be honest. It's it's refreshing to speak to you. This this conversation is refreshing. Um, you know, where where I where we my wife and I are at right now is. You know, we we have um you know, we have left behind our community that we thought was uh-huh. was uh, family that was for us. And um, you know, so we are in a place where um, you know, we don't get to have a lot of these conversations with other people, right? It's not common to find people who can um not only hold, you know, the intellectual stuff, but also can go there with you mystically and can say, wow, like that's mm-hmm. pretty wild, but like, I'm not saying I don't believe you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not ready to, right, right. you know, to, to yeah. you know, say I for sure know what that is, but like, man, like that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. And, um, you know, so just thank you, you know, for, you know, for stepping out and, and starting this podcast. Thank you for, for reaching out to me and all that. Um, thank you for letting me giving me a platform to, to, um, speak on. And, you know, I think I could do this all day if I'm being honest, like this is, this is is my, this is my favorite thing, discord and, and, you know, it's, it's, this is, this is it for me. You know, if I could do this my whole life, I'd be happy. Um, you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, I think the only thing I would, I would say is, um, you know, it's just a, I don't know if it's a statement or, or I don't know what it is. It's a thought. Um, I would just encourage, um, especially I can speak to, to people who have walked a similar, similar path to myself, which is, um, people with a, with a religious background, um, specifically Christianity, but it doesn't have to be limited to that. But anybody who has found themselves searching, um, found themselves in a religious system, um, but not having that itch scratched, not having that eternal itch, right. That eternal, mm-hmm. you know, desire, um, fulfilled. Um, you know, I, I, I would just encourage people, um, to stop looking outside of themselves. Um, that is the, hopefully the message that's coming across on my, my social media or anywhere I am is, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's obviously the, the people that, that, that triggers would be, um, people who benefit from the narrative, people who benefit from the system and the institution. Right. Um, and I don't Mm -hmm. need to name names or name titles, but you know, whether that's in government or it's in religion or it's in education, you know, there are systems that, um, I believe, I believe we're in a transition of ages. You know, I, I, you know, we can go on a whole nother, um, Probably conversation yeah. about about yeah. you know the zodiacs and the you know the signs and stuff, but um, I believe uh-huh. you know we're in a transition of ages um, into Aquarius, which I believe is um, you know an age of intuition, an age of of the spirit, and I don't mean the Holy Spirit or something religious. I just mean that thing that's in you and I, that's in all of us, that knows, that knows. Uh-huh what to do that knows where to that that thing that's guiding us, that internal compass. And, um, you know, I think for years, um, and generations, um, we have seen systems, uh, fail us. We have seen systems, um, not just fail us, but hurt us and traumatize us. And, and, um, we have given our power and authority and our sovereignty away to systems, to people, um, and to ideologies. And I think it's time to reclaim that. Um, and it's time to believe in, in the God inside of us, you know, to really believe if you really want to believe in God, start with the one inside of you, right? Start with the one inside of you and, and trust that voice. You know, um, I like to say a lot that there's a knower in you. Um, Mm. there's something that knows, right? The Gnostic Christians would call this gnosis, you know, doesn't matter what you call it doesn't matter what you call it. It's, it's a, it's an inner knowing. Um, it's not, it doesn't come from a book. It doesn't come from, from even me saying this. It's something that, that just, you know, you know, and you know, you're made for more than this. You know, you're made for more than a, a religious ritual. And I don't, there's nothing wrong with ritual. I have rituals, but the ritual mm-hmm. is not the thing. The ritual is not the God. Right. And, and, um, you know, so I would just say that, that stop looking for God outside of yourself. Stop looking for truth outside of yourself and start going within, you know, um, inner space before outer space. Right. Like, like let's, let's get this, you know, there's, there's something, um, you know, I have this, this verse tattooed on my hand, John seventeen twenty one, Um, and it's, it's the, the prayer, um, Jesus's prayer at the, um, you know, his final prayer before, before the crucifixion Mm -hmm. and stuff. And he says this, this verse specifically says, father, make them one, make them all one Mm -hmm. as you and I are one. And, you Mm -hmm. know, we, we can interpret that on the surface level. It's about unity. Make them all united, right? Make them, make them one, you know, of one mind and one accord and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's good. And that's a good place to start. Don't stop there though, because that's about the Mm -hmm. individual being a whole individual. That's about the person being whole, not separate, not other than, not not an island to themselves, not not just, you know, just being an individual out here and not caring about society, but being make them one, make them whole, make them um, you know, we, we talk about unity, the unity of the church, the unity of the body, the unity of the the whatever it is. And it's like, you know, there can be no unity of the the corporate cosmic body until there's unity of the The body, the individual body, Mm. right? And and I think that whether whether um, I'm speaking to a a pastor or I'm speaking to a government leader or whether I'm speaking to you know a a soccer mom or a stay at home dad or a construction worker, it doesn't matter. Whoever you are, um, there is something within you and that thing is that thing i believe is that consciousness that that god that 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 christ um that divine spark you know is another name for it but um that thing wants to make you one and wants to wants to show you that you are one already with god and with with everyone else and i think once we realize that once we awaken to that even to a small degree you know i'm nowhere near Like, you know, where, where I know I'll be 20 years from now, but just the small degree of oneness that I'm starting to realize opens my eyes to everybody else around me, right? It's like, you know, I couldn't be isolated if I tried. I can go in the grocery store and have a conversation with someone because I see the light in them. I can go, you know, down the road and 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 notice an, an animal and see the light in the animal. You know, Richard Rohr talks about seeing Christ and his dog and everybody was offended mm. because it's like, how could you say that? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it's when you see it, you can't unsee it. And um, mm. you know, again, I would just say, you know, the the hopefully the message that comes across is not one of of frustration or, or even hurt. Although the the hurt is there maybe there is some frustration there still, but hopefully the message is just seek first. Like Jesus said, the kingdom. And if we go with his message of where the kingdom is, the kingdom is within you seek first, the kingdom and everything else it it'll take care of itself it'll be added unto you right mm. um yeah and i think i think the problem is we don't take his words you know i used to say we take the bible too literally i think we don't take it literal enough sometimes um you know and we don't put these pieces together you know that that if the kingdom of heaven is within you and and we're being mm. encouraged to seek the kingdom within first man like that that's that's about inner work right so i know that was a lot yeah. but um but yeah that's that's it man
0: yeah that was that's beautiful I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself um, I think you, you you put it well I, I totally agree um, and yeah this podcast is all about um, making these experiences and these journeys um, normalizing them and and bringing them out in the open and discussing them and, and and like you said it's all about becoming who we are and that inner work and that interconnection to to the spirit um, and who we truly are. So, uh, that's funny. I didn't even,
1: I didn't even think of the name of the podcast. That's, that's (laughs) hilarious. I didn't even think of that. That's synchronicities figure. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much, Josiah. It's been been a pleasure.
1: Yeah. Thank you.